Blog Talk Radio. This is Celtics Talk Radio, your weekly C's audio magazine. Listen as we discuss the latest news for the Boston Celtics. You can call us at 347-857-3545. Now, here's your host, Daniel, Igor, and Kevin. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome to another edition of uh, the Celtics Talk Radio, episode 310, the Celtics closing in on the first place in the Eastern Conference. Uh, you are listening to Igor currently uh, today, today uh, or tonight, uh, because we are broadcasting 6 p.m. Eastern uh, from Massachusetts, uh, Boston, uh, and I am alone. Uh, I hope that uh, later Kevin will join me, and of course, I will uh, have my guest uh, a little later. Uh, it is Mike uh, Dynon from uh, the Celtics blog and ex. Um, uh, redsarmy.com January 6th the Celtics fans do you remember that date uh, it was the date uh, the Celtics lost to the New York Knicks uh, January 6th 108-105 uh, and they trailed 18-21 and 21, and they fell into 11th spot Eastern Conference after that game many questions uh, and many Celtics uh, fans uh, boycott boy, were boycotting the Celtics season. The Celtics insiders, reporters, analysts were questioning the heart and hustle of this team and uh, questioning the moves of Celtics GM, uh, Brad Stevens, um, and calling for the blowout, including us here. Um, and ultimately, something did happen, ladies and gentlemen. However, I don't think anybody expected um, this turnaround. Uh, it's been 79 days since that loss in Madison Square Garden. And Boston Celtics uh, have gone from that team that uh, looked like they were um, destined, for, destined, destined for the best uh, the playing tournament uh, and first round exit in the NBA playoffs um, at uh, the hands of uh, one of the Eastern Conference powerhouses uh, to the team that is now fighting uh, for the right to be number one seed Eastern Conference uh, in the playoffs. Uh, yes, uh, you read this, you hear this correctly. Boston could be number one seed Eastern Conference at the end of the season because uh, the Celtics are in the middle of four-team race that uh, for the number one place with Philadelphia, Miami, Milwaukee, and uh, Boston. Uh, all four teams are uh, literally separated by the two teams in the standings with Miami currently sitting the first at the Eastern Conference. The Celtics are heading... Uh, with the eight games remaining, um, while the 76ers and the Bucks uh, have number have nine games remain, remaining. So, who will be number one? Uh, who will? Um, uh, what are the the, the schedule? Um, and uh, what what is the tiebreaker scenarios for the four teams? Um, with uh, two weeks left in the regular season, how the playoff picture is uh, uh, shaping up in the East and West? Um, are any big names uh, uh, teams um, uh, coming, um, big name players uh, coming out and big um, teams uh, starting to uh, play good? We will discuss the current playoffs um, picture and um, are the Celtics uh, Marcus Smart uh, front runner for defensive player of the year candidate alongside with um, Celtics Robert Williams the third? 
is uh, Ime Yudoka deserving uh, the Coach of the Year award? And is Jason Tatum in the um, MVP uh, candidate uh, title race uh, discussions? And also, um, are the Celtics legit contender uh, as our first audio is saying? Uh, this is what is you going to hear, ladies and gentlemen, if you stay with us in this 310th um, edition of the Celtics Talk Radio, uh, Celtics uh, Audio Magazine. Um, I mean, uh, at the standings I described, we are one uh, game away from um, the number one place. Currently, we have one loss more than Miami Heat and Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, Philadelphia, Miami, they are having... Um, 27, uh, they, ha- they have um, uh, 27 uh, losses alongside Milwaukee, um, Boston 28. So, uh, again, uh, Boston Celtics uh, are having amazing, amazing second part uh, of the season. Currently, we are in five games winning, uh, including wins over uh, Golden State Warriors in Oakland, 110-88. Uh, really impressive win in which we heard... Um, MVP chance uh, to Jason Tatum. Sacramento Kings 126-97 away, um, uh, I mean, on the road. Also, Denver Nuggets 124-104 and Oklahoma City Thunder 132-123. So we swept uh, the Western Conference road trip. The last time we were on the trip, 1-4. and and uh, this time, 4-0 on the West Coast trip. Uh, Utah Jazz uh, demolition at home is the last game, 125-97. As Bobby Manning from CLS Media, our friend, wrote, the, the Celtics are now humiliating opponents uh, because they're playing so good. Uh, the second part of the season is fantasy. Uh, yet... Uh, do you think uh, all that the Celtics are the two contenders and title favorites, as the majority of the Celtics fans are saying? Again, stay with us and you will hear. And also, the audio number one, um, are the Celtics legit contenders? So, again, Celtics Talk Radio, stay with us. All right, let's take a look at the uh, Ford Big Board, built for America, built Ford Proud over the Celtics' last 11 games now. They are averaging over 111 points a game. Uh, they're giving up just 103. Seven of their 10 wins are by double digits. And they're a plus, a ridiculous plus 158 in those 11 games. All right, let's take a look now at the Eastern Conference standings. Uh, as you see right now, the Celtics, game and a half out of first place. This thing, as far as the 2 3 4 seed, kind of all up for grabs. The bottom line is that number one seed is also up for grabs. And I don't think. Anybody thought that that was possible a few months ago, that's for sure. So the Boston Celtics right in the middle of things here in the Eastern Conference. All right, let's roll, presented by Town Fair Tire. All right, Michael Hawley, welcome back here. Uh, you tell me. So I look at the Boston yeah. Celtics right now. You see that one game out of that number one seed. Yeah. We can debate whether they're going for it, whether they should go for it or not. Yeah. But do you consider the Boston Celtics yes. a contender yes. right now? Yes, 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 a contender. It is legit. Uh, the way they're playing, they got their stars playing like stars. Jason Tatum is playing like one of the ten best players in basketball. They're playing elite defense. It's not an accident. They're beating good teams. They've had a good stretch. They're playing well at home. They're playing well on the road. Uh, so, so everything, they've figured out their roles, too. That was a problem earlier in the year. I mean, if you look at this, I mentioned this last night. First game they played Utah, 
out of Utah. Utah couldn't miss. And the Celtics had no idea how to adjust. They just kept taking threes and just banking threes and making threes all night long. And the Celtics couldn't stop it. Last night, they took care of them early, and they've been doing that to teams uh, for the last month, month and a half. So, yeah, they are a legit NBA title contender. Obviously playing better basketball since the new year, but I would even say in the last 10 days, two weeks, it's gone to another level. Yeah. I mean, and I I go back to that Memphis run, right? Memphis, Brooklyn Nets, like that stretch. Yeah. They were winning ball games. I think a lot of people, myself included, were like, okay, can they play a team without missing a star or two? You know, I just, I just want to see it sometimes. And what they did to Memphis and then Brooklyn, and it's just been the snowballing. And what they did to Denver the other night, and obviously Utah, it's actually getting better. Like, they're now playing teams that are fully stacked, and it's over in the first quarter. Like, you don't have to wait around for the fourth quarter like most NBA games. Right. You've got to watch the first quarter. And if this team is, like, up 10, you wonder what's wrong. Okay. Like, that's the level they're playing at. I agree with 100%. Like, they are absolute contenders in the Eastern Conference. And right now, no one's playing better than them. Okay. Now, can I tell you who I'm scared of? Can I tell you who I'm scared yeah, of? Yeah, which, which teams? And, and it's not Brooklyn. I know, you know, a lot of, oh, you want to avoid that number one team for Brooklyn? No. No, I'm not, I'm not worried about Brooklyn. I am worried about the Milwaukee Bucks. Sure. Because the, the Celtics are playing the best basketball right now, but I think the Bucks are the best team. I, I, I'll tell you, in NBA history, I can't think of one example where you have an MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, champion in his prime, who just suddenly gives up the throne. When he wins that first championship, championship says, that's enough. Uh, I, I don't have two, three more in me. All of them, it's the NBA, all of them, they win that first championship. These great players, it's usually... Back-to-back, sometimes it's three-peat, sometimes it's three and five, three and six years. So Giannis is just a monster. And when you, when you, when you uh, get him when you get him down or you feel like uh, yeah. you, you've got an advantage over the Milwaukee Bucks, that's, that brings out the best in them. So I am afraid of the Milwaukee Bucks. But if the Celtics get by the Milwaukee Bucks in the Eastern Conference, that's my Eastern Conference Finals. Celtics, you know, it, Bucks. They get by them, they'll win the title. You know, it's funny we talk about the Milwaukee Bucks. I've heard so many people say people are still sleeping on the Bucks. I've never seen so many people pick the Bucks who are, very, who are apparently right. sleeping right. on them. Like, I don't know who's sleeping Nobody's on them. sleeping like, on the Bucks. Like, I agree with you. I don't think anybody is, you know, because they are, as you mentioned, you know, they've already got it done, and this is what, like, mature teams do, right? In the regular season, they ramp it up before they go into the regular season and the playoffs at a different level. But I, I look at this Boston Celtics team, and by the way, ideally, I want the Bucks playing the uh, Nets in that first round, right? I want one of those guys out. But you tell me, the, right now, this is how good the Celtics are. Mm-hmm. Can you really envision them losing four games out of seven? To Milwaukee, yes. You can. To Milwaukee. Oh, oh, oh sure. Yeah, sure. No, I, I, listen, yeah, I, because, don't get me wrong. I understand that. But it just they're a good team. But right now, with the way the Celtics team is playing, they yeah, are embarrassing, but very good yeah, teams the, in this league. And the other teams, the other teams are kind of falling back, too. I mean, let, let's, let's face it. Most of the time, it's an unusual year. Not only that uh, it's unusual because the Celtics look like a bad team or an average team. Uh, in December, you were just kind of frustrated with them. Nobody really enjoyed watching them all that much, except on NBC Sports Boston. Ha-ha, <laughs> plug. But nobody really enjoyed the way they were playing basketball, and they turned it around. But this is an unusual year in that the top seed is probably going to win in the East 53, 54 games. This is not like the West where the Suns have been running away, right. running away with this thing. So yeah, no, that, that's, that's, 
I get it. I get it. But like I said, not only have they been beating good teams, they've been destroying good teams. For example, when you look at it now, earlier in the year, the Boston Celtics are doing a lot of playing down to the competition. Lately, they're playing up and then some. Now, the Seas have won 15 of the last 16 games against teams currently in the playoffs or in playoff position. Not only that, they're 7-1 against teams in the top 10 record in the NBA. And five of those seven wins have been by 20 or more. The only loss was that 3.0 nail-biter against the Mavericks. So, you know, when, when you look at it, like I'm trying to think of teams. I can't remember a team that during the season right. with the same team, a couple pieces of the deadline, ever turned it around like this. I, I, I don't think anyone's ever seen that. No, I'm just trying to think of a, a, a good example. Patriots, 17, losing to Miami, losing to Pittsburgh, and then winning the Super Bowl when everybody thought back-to-back games in, in maybe December. But nobody, yeah. I, nobody. I mean, but, you know, they were one kind of team at the beginning of the season. I, okay, I'll admit it. I mean, throw it out there. At one point, I may have sat in this very seat and said, okay, you got to break them up. It's just not going to work. This, this Tatum-Brown thing, uh, yeah, it, it's not working. This team just doesn't get it. Marcus Smart doesn't yeah. get it. I mean, that See, was this year, this season. I agree. But I, I look at this team, honestly, I think, like, injuries is probably the one reason why I could see them bowing out. But I wanted to ask you this quick, because what would winning a, a championship, I'll even go to a, getting to an NBA final, yeah. why it's so important. I want the rest of the league, because this is how the NBA works. I want the rest of the league to be watching this group, this young group, get to an NBA finals, even if they lose it. Because that's how you recruit. That's what this league oh, is. Ooh, I want everybody ooh, to that, come and want to play for the Boston Celtics. This is unbelievable. What a brilliant point. It's a brilliant <laughs> point. We agree 100%. I was going to say, you, you asked the question, what would winning a championship mean? Yeah. It would, in short, winning especially, it would help keep your core here. It would keep, you know, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown here. They're loving it. Hey, we won a championship. And now, you know, you're that Pied Piper. You're bringing more people to you. Absolutely. Yeah. Lou Merloni, I've known you for a long time. I think that may be the most brilliant point. Because <laughs> you, you agree with it. You I love that. We agree. <laughs> Welcome back into Celtics Post Game Live. A look at the Eastern Conference standings and where the Celtics stand right now in a virtual tie for that number two spot. They're in a tie with the Bucks, and you see the Celtics only a game and a half out of that number one spot. Chris Forsberg, Amina Smith back here with you. Forsberg, we've been talking for weeks mm-hmm. about the Celtics avoiding that number one or number uh, two seat. However, based on how the Celtics are playing right now, how confident would you be if they were a one or two seed? Yeah, you know, I, I think you just let's take it out of the, like, just go for it. Because, and I, I don't know how to put it any other way, but for a so while I said, oh, you know, maybe I was like, just like leery of how they could match up in a, in a playoff series. Like, would, would they be okay against a team that had a superstar presence? Now I think you just don't even worry about that. Just push as hard as you can. Get to that one seed. Get home court advantage throughout the playoffs as long as you're in it. And roll the dice. Because right now you are playing better than any other team. And you shouldn't be scared of anybody. And I know we're going to talk about Kyrie being able to come back and play all games in New York coming up. But stop worrying about what might happen at the 7 or the 8 spot. Just be secure in yourself to get up there and take care of business. Because if they play like this, they're going to be in any series against any opponent, regardless of who's on the other side. Yeah, the way the Celtics are playing right now, I am confident that they, they had that one or two seed, they could surprise a lot of people in the postseason. And, and again, here's, here's my hesitation. I kept saying, like, you want to line up the right way. And, of mm-hmm. course, like, you still want to avoid the Kevin Durants and Giannis's of the world and, jo- and Joel Embiid as long as you can. But... 
that, for me, it was if you got to the finish line of the season, you could get to four, and you're guaranteed of avoiding one of those foes, then okay, then maybe you stay there. Maybe you don't try to muscle up. But now, I mean, we're going to show you a highlight later in this program where, like, things are falling apart mm. in Miami. They didn't just lose to Golden State, who didn't have any of their superstars. Like, they, things, are, things are coming apart uh, at the seams. So uh, I just think that they're in a position, they got head-to-head matchups against these teams coming up where they can easily vault into that spot. And so if you're playing hot, I don't care about strength of schedule. I don't care about who you might see in the playoffs. Just make the push. Yeah, Jimmy Butler and uh, Eric Spolstra getting into it on the sideline, and it was ugly. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the studio after block number one. uh, You're listening to Igor. Uh, Kevin is uh, uh, with us and will join us uh, a little later in the interview with Mike Dynon. And by the way, Mike Dynon is here. You can follow him at Twitter. Uh, at Mike Dynon, his Twitter uh, name, and the Celtics, uh, he is the Celtics fan since 1965, uh, Brooklyn native, BU alum, Celticsblog.com uh, contributor and writer, um, and uh, uh, Boston Sports uh, fan, and one of uh, the most knowledgeable Celtics fans that I know, by the way, and uh, we always here love to speak with him. Uh, Mr. Mike, uh, uh, welcome. Good evening. And how do you feel? Thanks for coming here. Hi. Thank you, Igor. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, I'm feeling great. Wow. What's not to like, right? <laughs> We're talking about the Celtics. How can you not feel yes, great indeed. at this point in the season? Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Um, I mean, uh, I was talking in uh, my intro uh, since Jan- January um, 6th, uh, if you remember. Um, and that uh, loss uh, in the in the in the uh, New York, I I, I believe um, Madison Square Garden, uh, 108, uh, 105, uh, we fell into 18 and 21 uh, score 11th uh, spot Eastern Conference, um, and uh, the tune of the discussion at uh, that point of the season were should we blow out the team or maybe we should uh, make some cha- changes at uh, the trade deadline and uh, many of uh, the analysts and uh, uh, national media guys were saying that uh, this is not working, the topic should blow up uh, Tatum Brown core, maybe blow, up, blow out um, uh, the team, you know, uh, bring the third star or uh, somebody else. And right now, look, the Celtics, after uh, that period uh, of time, Hello? Hello? Mike, Mike, how yes. you doing? Hey, good, this good. Is Ke- this, this is Kevin. I think Eagle probably had a had a little situation going on with with his uh, system there, so I'm gonna take over for a little bit. Okay, good. Back. I was hoping that so, my uh, call didn't drop. So. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so Mike, I go from not watching no games <laughs> to watching games. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, I've never seen. 
I've been a Celtics fan all my life. I mean, since since the seventies, I never seen a team do what they've done. Um, <laughs> it, it's I don't know. I mean, they had us, they had they had us all of us faked out. Um. To the point where we, you know, we're talking about trading. Let's bring Scal, who's lying inside of TD Garden. And Scal, the Celtics, they dominated this matchup from start to finish. What was your biggest takeaway after this win? So I thought this game was going to be sort of a trap game. I did think the Celtics were going to win, but I thought it was going to be close and hard fought. Man, like these guys, no matter what, they figure out a different way to be great. Today they were not switching everything. We haven't seen this in a while. Normally they do. And they, they kept a guy, and they were giving up the mid-range shot and taking away the three. These guys are playing a little bit different of a way defensively to take away the other team's strengths. And not only that, they're thriving in these environments. A lot of times in the NBA, when you jump around, around defensively how you want to guard sometimes you can like you know like uh, paralysis by analysis but these guys are all just figuring things out on the fly and then I love the way that they're getting out offensively and and they did a good job against Gobert you know challenging him at the rim this was not an easy game I was not expecting this I was expecting a Celtic win but tight man 37 assists these guys are playing right now lights out and you mentioned it right there a season high 37 assists for this Celtic team how did that impact tonight's game well, I mean, when these guys are playing like that and you're playing against the Jazz and you're driving, you see that play? So you're driving and putting teams on skates. I mean, it's when teams are rotating around trying to fly at you. They, like, you don't want to be doing that all night. And when they put teams on skates and they're knocking down shots, which they weren't doing at the beginning of the year, they're un, like an unstoppable team. Un, their offense is an unstoppable force when they're playing this way, making shots and moving the ball. My, my one concern, even when the Celtics started the third, with whether the offense could legitimately bring it every single night. And certainly Jason Tatum going up a level has made everything a little bit easier. But the ball movement that Ime had preached from his opening press conference is finally here. Everyone has bought in. And it's, it's, I can't believe that the Celtics, the defense tends to be the story because of how good and how much they've lapped the field. But the offense deserves so much credit because that is what has transformed this team from a good story and somebody that can compete to a legitimate contender. And you can't talk about ball movement without talking about Marcus Smart. Let's take a look at his numbers from tonight's matchup. A new career high, 13 assists out there for Marcus Smart. Scout, when you take a look at what Smart was able to do in tonight's matchup, just where did he have the biggest impact? I mean, I, I, I get the passing. Um, I still think defensively he's, like, on a level that you can't find many point guards that can guard across the board. And I love the way that he's, like, controlling the pace. If we get a steal, he's looking to push. If we don't, then all of a sudden now he sets up the team and gets the ball to Tatum or Brown to make a play. Like, I think he's got a really good pulse on where the ball needs to go at what time. And where's my boy Mannix at that was hating on Marcus Smart <laughs> He's not good enough as a point guard. And I and I stuck with my guy because I also look at the defensive end of the floor. And I'm not trying to go. I mean, a lot of people, like, we, we wavered a lot on this team. But I never wavered on Marcus Smart. I just believe that his defensive versatility and he's good enough as a playmaker in today's NBA to be the guy. And today was a good example of when they make shots, he's going to have those high assist numbers. It's coming into the year, all the data from years past, when Marcus Smart got to be the point guard, and remember, you always had someone in front of him, whether it was Kyrie, Isaiah, you know, there, there was always someone, Kemba. And now, when they've just been able to go full and let him run this show, 
and he has been perfect. I do think it was fair to question whether he could be the point guard of the future, but oh my God, it's not even a question anymore because of the way he directs this thing, and everything since January 23rd, when he has upped the pace and upped the tempo, has helped kickstart this offense. Yeah, I want to go big picture really quickly, and we see how the Celtics, they're winning these games. They're winning in dominant fashion. Just how confident are you in them sustaining this type of success as we get closer to the playoffs? I think I think they're lights out in the regular season. I think, uh, and I, I, I'm not I'm not going to waver on this. I just think it's all matchup based in the playoffs and how you get through a series and and how you play the next series. If you get through unscathed and you win 4-0 or 4-1, it's going to help you somewhere down the road when you're playing like a big team. Like you're, I think the road ultimately goes through Milwaukee, and you know like the Celtics can play them and they can play them tough. The physicality is something that they're going to have to like definitely I don't think address but they have to go into every possession knowing that this is going to be a physical war so we'll see how it all plays out but I like the Celtics right now over every every other team in the NBA, in the Eastern Conference and I'm just um, a little tepid um, of, of just the way that we would play against the physical Bucks. Yeah. Celtics might not lose again. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm just throwing it out there. Right like, now, they're, they're putting everybody else and they're going, no. Does it ever feel like they've been up by 24 at least in each of their last five games? When are they ever going to lose? Yeah, I mean, that's how we feel right now. Hopefully we feel the same in the next couple of weeks. Thanks so much, Gal. We are uh, back live. I apologize for this because my line uh, just cracked. And uh, after that, uh, I played uh, audio Celtics uh, um, uh, talk uh, uh, crew. Forsberg and Skull about the win over Jazz, blowout the win over Jazz that uh, the Celtics uh, had uh, the other night uh, in TD Garden, 125-97. We are back with uh, Mike. Uh, Mike, uh, hope that you are still with us. Uh, yes, right? I am. Uh, I, I'm was, here. <laughs> uh, I was talking uh, before my uh, line uh, cracked. And by, by the way, uh, we are working to leave this platform uh, at the end, blogtalkradio.com at the end of the year and improve um, besides uh, the other things, uh, the uh, sound quality and the streaming quality, but uh, you will be informed, uh, dear listeners, if you follow us on our pages, Celtics Talk Radio and Biblet Green, um, uh, Celtics Fans Forum at the Facebook and Celtics Talk Radio at the Instagram and Twitter, you will be informed uh, about at the, at the summer. Uh, so after 10 years or so, uh, we will probably uh, leave this platform, but we will still have the guests like Mr. Mike Dynon uh, here. Uh, so, um, Mike, uh, I was talking to you that uh, after the loss in the um, Madison Square Garden, uh, January 6th uh, from the New York Knicks, 108-105, we were uh, 18-21, and 11th at the Eastern Conference. And look at us now, uh, in the audios that we played three or two are coming, and this audio, the people are talking about the four teams race for the number one place, Miami, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, and Boston. We are one game away from number one seed. We're having the uh, best season in, in I don't know how, how uh, much time. I, I don't think that the uh, 18-19 season was this good. Uh, I think... Um, if my memory from uh, uh, e, uh, quick is uh, good, that 2016-17 um, season um, or the season before we were 2016-17, uh, we we finished the season with Isaiah Thomas, um, Jay Crowder, and that team, uh, Ivory Bradley, 
if I'm correct, uh, number one Eastern Conference. The season that we lost uh, in uh, the Eastern Conference uh, finals from uh, uh, Cleveland Cavaliers, if I'm correct. So after that season, this is uh, probably the, the, the best season with the subject chance to uh, win number one seed. So without further ado, uh, what is your impression about impressive second part of uh, the season uh, by the Celtics? Uh, well, the uh, first of all, Ime is, has really made a move toward being in the Coach of the Year conversation. I think uh, he stuck with his plan. It wasn't looking good at first, but the things that he wanted to accomplish apparently are being accomplished now. Uh, he got them to move the ball got them to play defense the way they could, and uh, the results are there. I mean, I'm, I think uh, a little while ago when Kevin was talking, he mm-hmm. started to say he'd never seen anything like this, and I haven't either. Hard I mean, to be. I, it's hard to think of any kind of a turnaround of this magnitude. I mean, there was a couple of years ago, uh, maybe three or four years ago, Eric Spolstra was – nominated for coach of the year he came in second in the balloting and that was based on the fact that his team the the miami heat they were 11 and 30 in the first half of the season and then turned it around 30 and 11 the second half so they finished at 500 they missed the playoffs by one spot they finished ninth he still finished second in the voting as i said and so if you want to look at that as uh, precedent what do you say about Udoka then? Because not only has his turnaround with the Celtics been better than what Spolster did, but they're not going to miss the playoffs. They might even, the Celtics might even uh, have a, a deep playoff run, and who knows? I mean, anything can happen. You know what I'm saying? You know how they say? And, uh, I mean, everybody's so optimistic right now as Celtics fans, and it's well-deserved. So that's one thing. The other thing, um, I went to that, the game Wednesday. It was the first time I'd been in the garden mm-hmm. since December of 2019. And it was a lo- that's the longest I've ever gone without going to a game. But obviously there were reasons. We had a whole season where we couldn't even attend the games. Um, fortunately, we're back there now, the fans. And this was the first opportunity I had to go. And... It was just an incredible atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Celtics hit their first ten shots, and it wasn't. It was like, yeah, okay, they. This is how good they're playing, and you know, it, it's almost unbelievable to see a team open up a game like that. And effectively, the game was over after the first quarter, and the fans were just so joyful. It was amazing. Everything was going right for the Celtics. Everything went wrong for Utah. If it wasn't for Donovan Mitchell having a a good scoring game, I mean, that would have been another 50-point win. And it's just been uh, incredible. And the feeling to watch them play now, knowing where they came from, and knowing what could happen, what they are making a case for at the end of the season, it's it's just beyond belief. I don't know how else to describe it. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, yeah yeah I mean um, I I will uh, 
something definitely happened. Listen, I, I don't know what, I'm not the insider, I'm not participating the Celtics meetings, um, uh, the Celtics meeting um, after that, for example, game in Madison Square Garden, you know, uh, we, 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 we heard, uh, I mean, the bad words at the press conferences um, in the first part of the season between the players. Remember Marcus Smart calling out Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum? I mean, I don't know what happened. I, I mean, I know what happened on the court. The, the Celtics players, like you said, uh, bought in the system of Ime Yudoka. Because uh, about the coach, um, many of the, of the fans, basketball fans and the Celtics fans, are uh, generally making mistakes um, uh, because uh, they are calling out uh, the coaches uh, that uh, he doesn't have a clue, he's a bad coach, he doesn't have basketball knowledge. This is wrong. It is all about whether or not uh, some particular group of people, uh, some team, some particular group of individuals, uh, are, there, are they buying the coach's system or not? You know, mm-hmm. is this particular coach... Uh, uh, have authority over them or don't. Uh, I mean, they were calling Brad Stevens bad coach and uh, that he doesn't have clue, etc. Brad Stevens is bright basketball mind and excellent coach. But uh, the last two seasons, in my modest opinion, uh, he lost the locker room and he lost authority over the players. Uh, particularly because he tried to be friend with them and they didn't listen to him. Uh, he's without shadow of a doubt, uh, the, the, the coach and the person with the uh, highest basketball knowledge, probably right now at the Celtics organization. Okay. Uh, Ime Yudoka, uh, he came here and he was the rookie coach at the beginning of the year and the Celtics were playing bad primarily because of the injuries, maybe, but also because the players didn't buy into his system at the beginning of the year, okay? Uh, Or uh, the other thing, they needed time to adapt to his system. Maybe the second uh, statement is true. So after the time has passed, the Celtics get healthier, January, February, as some, something overlapped, I think, and this is that we entered the easier part of the shadow because the first part of the shadow, we, we, we had brutal top three hardest shadow in the NBA, right? We were discussing mm-hmm. here uh, on the Celtics Talk Radio. So January and February, uh, we uh, catch a lift with the easier part of the shadow. But the way we are playing right now, when the shadow is tougher, uh, like Bobby Manning, your colleague at the Celtics blog and Stillness Media said, we are literally humiliating opponents like Utah Jazz, very good teams. I mean, uh, we are not talking, uh, uh, we are not talking Orlando Magic. We're talking Utah Jazz, the fourth team at the Western Conference uh, that uh, that is uh, having uh, uh, 45-29 uh, record. And when you come and demolish them, 125-97. I mean, then you are one hell of a team. What do you say? <laughs> I agree. <laughs> and, you know, um, 
you referenced several factors, and I think they everything came together at the right time. Uh, mm-hmm. The, I I personally feel that that Nick game being the turning point had to do with just being fed up with losing. Uh, it was another to just recap briefly. It was uh, they had almost a twenty point lead in that game, and they let that get away. And then uh, Evan Fournier was going supernova. He had a career high. I think it was 41 points, Uh if I remember right. And, of course, he played for the Celtics last season. So here's another thing that's going wrong. Uh, Our own former player comes back to haunt us. And Uh then they won. the Knicks won the game on, like, a fluke desperation prayer shot, three-pointer that banged Uh in at the buzzer. And it was the lowest point that you could have. And that was mm-hmm. when Smart called them out, said we have to do better and pass the ball more and so on. And then, as you said, the schedule got easier after that, a little looser, with a few more days off. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then another thing, February 10th, the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. Brad Stevens, whatever roster construction mistakes he made during the, during the off season and for the early part of this year, this season, I should say. Mm-hmm. Any of those mistakes he made, he corrected them. He got mm-hmm. rid of the mm-hmm. dead weight. I am convinced that um, trading Dennis Schroeder was the final, uh, the key master stroke. Everybody could see that Schroeder was not fitting in on this squad. And I yes. don't miss the ball rolling up the court. I bet you don't mm-hmm. either. Right. <laughs> And, um, I mean, we were, and once, we, uh, once they for traded him, you, sorry for interrupting you. You give me great, uh, uh, great uh, inspiration for the question or the, or the comment. We here were discussing about uh, particularly this: that Dennis Schroeder is not uh, the best guy uh, to be the subject's uh, point guard. Uh, people at our page, especially, they were saying that uh, you're crazy. You don't know basketball because Dennis Schroeder, when he's playing, he's having such a wonderful numbers, he's uh, underpaid, and that kind of stuff. But the team is not playing good with Dennis Schroeder. The team is not playing good with Dennis Schroeder. He's stopping the ball. Uh, he's not the best best of a passer. Uh, yes, he's underpaid, but he's not for the starting point guard. And, you know, he has his flukes. Yes, he had great games, but overall with him, the team is not playing good. Is that correct? Correct, yes. Well, he he's he's a good player, and mm-hmm. when his shot is falling, he can be very dangerous. And he had some right. good moments with the Celtics, but overall, he was not a good fit. And mm-hmm. I I'm gonna uh, at least say that I was right about one thing: they shouldn't have signed him because it took away from Peyton Pritchard. I said right. that right. all along, right. and that proved to be true. You can see now that Pritchard has the freedom to play. He's, he's doing fantastic, and he's shooting his on fire. And uh, since they traded, since they made the trades, and not just um, Schroeder, but um, Enos and Enos um, yeah, and Romeo. Um, not nothing Romeo against Lincoln. Romeo; he just didn't develop as they would hope. Um, you know, all but those he's always deals. Injured. Yes, correct. All those deals 
got the better roster construction, put people in a better position to succeed. And since that uh, trade deadline, uh, they've only lost, I think it's like three games. It's That's when they really took off. They were getting there in January, but since February 10th, they've been flying high. And and not just winning, but as we said, they're demolishing everybody. It's, it's, um, It's just reason for a lot of optimism. And and Jason Tatum too. Uh, he's he's done everything he could do. Uh, are you guys there? All right, let's hear from Jalen Brown, who's at the podium right now. You guys started out the year trying to figure out your offense, and now you put up multiple games that are in the top, I think, 10 in your offensive efficiency in this stretch here. What's been the process of getting from the beginning where it was a little slower to to today? Um, Everything takes time. You know, I know everybody wants everything to work right away. Um, but new team, new coaching staff, you know, kind of working through some things and, and trying to figure some things out and watching a lot of film and making sure we keep belief in ourselves and, and stuff like that. Um, a lot of adversity um, early in the season. I missed 15 games. You know, we had people with COVID. It was a lot of stuff going on. And and now, you know, we kind of got our feet under us and things are um, going a lot better for us. But. I would just credit it to that, just staying the course, nothing different, nothing in particular, you know, just growth, getting better, learning over time. What's the level of confidence out there with each other? Um, how does it look? Yeah. Looks, yeah. looks good. Yeah. We feel great, man. We feel great. Mm-hmm. So I keep saying we're just taking it. Yes, hello. Mike, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, I guess Eagles having some more, has more difficult problems though. So. Um, <laughs> okay, I, so all of a sudden uh, nobody was there, so I didn't know what to make. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, this this blog talk is acting up uh, really bad right now. Um, but anyway, getting back to what we were um, what we were talking about. Um, I've been a Celtics fan since the early seventies, and I've never ever seen do what you're doing right here. My my biggest issue with them was I I felt like they tried to turn it on, turn it off um, during the season. Um, and and I think one of the games that really made me mad with them when I when I decided I said I'm, I'm not gonna watch anymore was when they played the Milwaukee Bucks. They didn't have Giannis, they didn't have Milton, they didn't have somebody else, and we barely beat them. And I was like, you know what? These guys are making me really mad. I'm not watching them no more. I, I think I went almost two weeks without watching the game, and um, um, and I was like, I just, I, and then 
I start, I just started seeing the scores. I said, wait a minute. These guys are winning some games. I said, what's going on here? And, I'm, you know, I'm thinking to myself, I said, well, you know, some teams got COVID issues. Some players are hurt. That's the only reason why they're winning these games. Then I'm looking at the scores. I'm like, whoa. I said, oh, they're playing some basketball. You know, so, um, I, 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 I mean, I wish I could put my finger on it, on it when they actually uh, start playing really well. I, and I think I agree with you, too, when you said about the New York Knicks game. Um, but, I, I, you know, I think they're surprising the whole league right now. Um, and, you know, the sky, the, the, the sky is the ceiling, I, I would say, with this game right here. They're playing with much confidence. Um, I, I, I just, I'm just sitting here thinking, you know, when Bird came in, how they turned the team around. Um, and, you know, he came in the next season and they started winning. But it wasn't nothing like this right here. And right. I think with our fans, with they, you know, I, we have one guy on, on the page. He's never faltered about the Celtics being a good team. He's like, I'm a ride and die with them. I, I still believe in them. Even when, you know, we I'm not saying we didn't believe in them, but we didn't have no faith that they could go anywhere in the playoffs. So we were thinking, you know, maybe they're maybe they're silently tanking to get somebody or, or get ever get whatever because you know, the the rumors about Bradley Bill, Damian Lillard, um, those two names per se, and even um what's the name we played against in against Utah? Um his know. name had been mentioned. Donovan Mitchell's name had been mentioned because because of the love of of um um Danny's of of Jalen Brown, you know. So there were all kind of things going on. But I think though with them being healthy, um, COVID not being an issue, and now we're probably seeing the best team is assembled that that they have assembled. I gotta give the coach a lot of credit. I gotta give Brad Steven a lot of credit. I mean, I'm a diehard fan, but man, I was I was ready to jump ship. I was like, you know what? I'm looking forward to the draft. I started looking at drafts, um, <laughs> because that's just that's just the way I felt. But I'm just I'm just amazed um, watching them play. Like I I didn't get a chance to watch the whole um, Jazz game, so I watched it earlier today. I and mean, like you said um, earlier, he like the game's over in the third in the first quarter. Um, what 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 is the key? Do you think it's Marcus Smart being knowing his role now, or do you think everybody knows their role? Um, is why these guys are. I mean, they're playing so smooth together. It's like nobody can get them off their off their off their rocker here. So, what do you think it? What do you, what do you think it is? Well, first, let me say that um, about your um, sitting out the games for a while. I I can't. I'm personally, I'm not capable of not watching. I have to watch because if I didn't watch, <laughs> I would know that the game was on, and I would say, I have to find out what's happening. I just can't ignore it. Um, but I did say, after after they they had a game on. Uh, the last week of December against the Clippers at home. And it was another one of those games where they built a big lead and then blew it. And I believe that was the night they shot 4 of 42 from the three-point line. Mm. <laughs> and I just couldn't take it anymore. And I did say I was out. 
I was not going to have any expectations anymore. I would watch the games, but unless until they proved to me that they wanted to win and would do what it took to win, then I was just going to watch and like almost as a neutral observer. And for me to say that, that is that's serious. <laughs> I just can't not watch. So that's as low as I could have been. And then the next game after that, they played Phoenix at home, and they beat Phoenix. They did pretty handily. So there were signs of life there. And I think what we said before about all the things that came together, uh, I think you mentioned good health. That, knock on wood, has been true. Uh, Last year, they never had one game where they had all their players, but lately they have been in good shape and had everybody available. So that, and combined with the little more uh, leeway on the schedule, January and February with days off, and then the trade deadline deals and Tatum erupting, I think we said, I think most people believed before the season that the Celtics would go as far as Jalen and Jason could take them. And now we're seeing that because earlier in the year, um, Tatum struggled. He was not making his shots. And now, just like he does, seems like he does this every year, uh, February, March, he's on fire. Uh, I can't see how he won't win the Player of the Month award for March. They have three games left, and um, he's averaging, let's see, I think it was uh, 36 points. Let's see. At this month, he's averaging 34 points, seven rebounds, five assists per game, and he's shooting 54, 57, and 90. They're 10 and 1 in March. Um He's got to be the player of the month. And he's in the MVP conversation, and rightly so. So, um, you know, you got these all these factors combined uh, have made this turnaround possible. And like you said, it happens sometimes from one year to the next, but never like this in the middle of a season. I can't, I can't yeah. think of any other time it's happened like this. This is the – this is. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I, I tell people all the time, I was like, you know, I love basketball. I said, I'm not crazy about offense because of the three-point line. They they just, it doesn't do the game of basketball justice. I said, I think it, they, I think they disrespect the game with using that three-point line. I said, but right now, if I had to choose, it would be Golden State, Phoenix, and Boston, to me, I think are playing the best, the, the way the game of basketball is supposed to be played. Um, now there's other teams out there winning again, but they're not playing. They're not winning like these. These, I mean, it's a it's a team effort. Everybody knows their role. It's not like one player. I mean, it's it's just it's like it's like music to my ears. When I see Pritchard just get get a wide open three and hit it, I'm like, man, you know, he is on fire too. I'm like, these guys just. And I would love for them to tell us at the end of the season, no matter where they where they where they end up. What they did together as a team to change it around because nobody really knows, you know. And we all try to figure it out. We all was like at the point where, you know, I was ready to get a get a noose and just just um, burn all my Celtic gear and 
I'm like, you know what? I'm tired of this. I I can't take this no more. I'm 57 years old. I, I said, I don't see another championship in our in my near future. I said, this ain't right. I said, even though I've seen a bunch of them, I want them, I want some more. I said, you, if you're a study fan, you always want more. You don't you don't you're not settled, you're not gonna settle for just one. You got to want more, one more. Mm-hmm. You know, and they they turned it around. And I, I I love like um, one person that said something about Marcus Smart only having a couple points of the night, and I said to the person, I said. Um, did you see how many assists he had in the first half? And I think he had 11. I think he broke the record. I said, that right there is I – don't, I don't think the young, younger generation understand how important it is to play team basketball. Um, one of my issues with sports right now is how every team sport becomes an individual sport for accolades for players that play in a team sport. You know, and I'm I'm a sound mind, and I would never probably change my way of thought thinking. But you know, if somebody say you know they they ask me for my my top five greatest players to ever play, um, I, I I throw Jim Thorpe in there because of all the sports he played. But I put um I put Serena Williams in there. I put um um a boxer in there. Um, and a track runner in there, and, and, and not in that order, but those would I put, I would place them in that order. But when it comes to team sports, I would put, you know, I, they would be like from seven, seven and up, because it's so important how you play as a team, and every little thing you do is a factor. And so I think these these younger people don't understand how important it is for Mark Smart to give us this. Because he's giving us this to guys that are wide open or going to the lane and making layups. So don't don't get mad because he only has five points. But look at the points that he created off the assists that he made. You know, and I think that I think that's the biggest thing right there because Marcus had to sit behind um, uh, Kimba, Kyrie, a little bit of um, uh, the kid down to Charlotte. You know, so he was never really the, truly the point guard for the team until actually, uh, to be honest with you, this year, maybe maybe last year, you know. Yeah. And he, he he's always said, I've been a point guard all my life. I just nothing different. Only difference is that you don't see too many point guards that that, that make the sacrifice that he does. I think Rondo is in that same category uh, of Marcus Smart, but I think Rondo, I think Marcus shoots the three a little bit better than, than Rondo did. Mm-hmm. But defensively, they were on point. What do you, what's your thoughts on Marcus and, and do you think was he one maybe one of the key factors of the of this team being um being as good as they are right now? Absolutely. Uh he he has rounded OF into his role and uh become more comfortable. I I I felt like at the beginning of the season uh people wanted to to get another point guard. I felt like he could do the job and they had to at least try it with him. Uh, for a good period of time, give him a, a real chance to see what he could do. And uh, it has paid off. You know, I think also th- there might have been, last year they were a 500 team, and there were a lot of reasons for that. And I think there might have been a little p- bit of carryover to that this season, or a hangover, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, they had bad habits even with different personnel coming in. They had bad habits that they had to break, the core group. And they also, um, getting back to health, uh, early part of the season they weren't as healthy as uh, they are now. So 
those couple of things might have had had something to do with the slow start and the frustrations that were building. But maybe at that point, uh, in that early January time, uh, maybe they just started to accept and adopt what Udoka was teaching. And, uh, you know, those lessons kicked in. They started to gain some success. I mean, they they were, uh, in January, they had a record of 10 and 6. And that was after December 6 and 9. So that's a good improvement, and things started to look up, and I think they might have started to feel better about themselves. And then in February, they were 9 and 2, and now in March, they're 10 and 1. So you can't argue with that kind of success. Uh, I think it just took a while for it to happen. And, um, you know, we're, we're both speculating on what the core, uh, the reasons behind it might be, but whatever it is, uh, you know, they're clearly enjoying themselves now, and they have learned to play the right way, and they are going to stick with that, you have to believe. If they can stay healthy, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, It's going to be crazy if they end up in that first seed, and they're (laughs) capable of it. They play Miami this Wednesday at home. Yes. They have back-to-back tomorrow at home, Minnesota, and then at Toronto on Monday. And they have Miami on uh, Wednesday. Miami has been nosediving, so, <laughs> you know, it, uh, they could be in first place by the end of the month. Yeah, yeah I um, actually, I'm coming up there um, for a game when they play the Washington Wizards. Um, I try to get tickets for the Pelicans game, but I mean, not the Pelicans, but the Pacers game, but they was up in the raster sheets. I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna drive eight hours to sit way up in the top. I gotta, I gotta get some seats that I gotta get, get a good, decent look at them. So Washington's the only game I got um, tickets for, and actually we're going up there because my nephew, um, he got a, he, he he's, um, he's getting all these full ride scholarships for academics, and and UConn's one of the schools that sent him a, sent him a, a letter about coming there to, uh, for. Uh, to go to school at UConn um, for academics, so I mean that's really good for him. So we, you know, I told my brother, I said, no, let's let's treat him for treat him to a game. So we'll be up there against the Washington game. Only thing I'm hoping though is that at least the starters play. Um, and that game, that game should hopefully that game matters, and we'll get opportunity to see everybody play. Um, but that getting back to the Miami game, I think it's going to be very important. But uh, I'm going to ask you a question about Daniel Tice. Um. I don't think we saw that situation happening. Um, and when the trade was made for Daniel Tice, what was your thoughts on that? I'm sorry, the, the trade for, for Daniel Tice. Oh, Daniel, Daniel Tice. Tice. Oh, yeah. Well, hey, he was great while he was here before. You know, I mean, not one of your uh, top guys. You're not expecting a lot out of him. But uh, he was very uh capable and reliable as the backup center or or he is right now in that situation uh it's a sign of some of the growth of the team robert williams in particular that uh when we had tice before he was counted on to be one of the main players and now he's just a backup but that shows what kind of growth the team has had 
Um, and he's filled in very nicely when he's called upon. Um, I think the other night against Utah, I think he had 11 points. I mean, he played as better than Rudy Gobert. I know that much. <laughs> yeah, I, I, <laughs> and, and I, you, know, people, you know, the fans like him, and uh, the players were happy to see him come back. And uh, I think it's great. They've had some yeah, good reunions been... this year, Al Horford being the prime one. Yeah, you know, some, I, I still, some of these guys that came back have done very well. I still think that um, they need to need to open up their heart a little bit more, and they should have brought Isaiah back. But I get it; they you know put your head to get his minutes in, you know, because of how good of a shooter he is. Um, so I, I get it, but it would have been nice. It would have been nice to have Isaiah on the team. Um, yeah. So talk about time, Lord. Um, this guy is just all over, all over the court. Um, do you see him and Marcus Smart um, being on the all defensive team, the first all defensive team, um, when they do make the selections? Well, I would like to hope so. Uh, whether it happens or not, it's another story because you never know how voting is going to go. Uh, but, you know, Having seen them play all season, I don't see any reason otherwise that they shouldn't be on there. They're, they're, Smart has done just a huge comeback from last year. He didn't play, in my opinion, didn't play particularly well on defense last year, and he didn't make the all-defense all team. And this year, he's just been everywhere. And same can be said for Rob. Uh He's had so many great games, super amount of blocks and affecting shots, and you can really tell when he's in there, the other team is cautious about attacking the rim. And then flip side is he's dangerous on offense. He's they have to uh, def- the uh, opponents have to pay special attention to him on the pick and roll, and it's I think it's helped. Overall, with the team shooting, not just the fact that he gets free for dunks, but uh, you know, uh, breaking down the defense for the other players too. But as far as him being on all defense, uh, it's a no-brainer as far as I'm concerned. Uh, you just don't know, though. I mean, I, I don't have a lot of faith in voting uh, the way <laughs> things go sometimes. They, you think something is obvious, and then it turns out that it doesn't happen. So I think he deserves it. Uh, Smart definitely does. Uh, Smart, if if there if there's ever going to be a, a non-center, non-big man, win the defensive player of the year again, Smart has got to be the guy. It could be this year. I'm not counting on it, but it could be. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I got a couple more questions for you as well. Um, Al Hartford, um, comes back to Boston and he's playing he, he got a little look like he got a little tired there right before All Star break. Um, but after All Star break he took a little time off and now he's back to being the guy that started the season out with them. How how important do you think it was for Al Hartford to have a whole year off to come back to Boston and Another question was, Danny Ainsley made a comment that he said there was a player out there that wanted to come back to Boston. 
Uh, do you think it was Al Harford or do you think it was Isaiah Thomas that was probably calling him saying, yo, come get me, get me back to Boston? Um, but before you answer that question, uh, let's talk about Al Harford for a little bit. Well, Harford is definitely rejuvenated. Uh, <laughs> I was uh, having a little conversation recently about this. It's like the movie A Wonderful Life, you know? Uh, you know that movie with Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> you got to see what it was like yes. if yes. he, if he, you know, when he was not here. Uh, he got to see the hard way what happened by leaving Boston, and it wasn't pretty. And he was overjoyed, it seemed like, to come back to Boston. And his play is just—they call him the old man because he's thirty. Was he thirty-five years old? Uh, he's the oldest on the team in, in any event, and uh, but man, he's got a lot of energy for them for the, uh, every game. He's he's out there bounding around. I mean, he's. Uh, I'm looking at the defensive ratings here for the league, and he's at 103.3, and uh, Robert Williams, Jalen Brown, Al Horford, Jason Tatum, they're all right in that spot. 103. Uh, defensive rating, and they're in the top ten, all four of them. Smart is just outside the top ten. And definitely the Celtics have the best defense in the league. I don't think anybody could argue otherwise. And Horford's a huge part of that. He's got – I don't know exactly where he stands on block shots, but he's done a fantastic job blocking shots this year, uh, protecting the rim between him and Rob. Uh, no, that's no wonder that they're so effective on defense because they're protecting the rim. Um, I've noticed that if somebody tries to drive the left side of the lane against Horford, more often than not, he's blocking that shot. There's just something about the angle of it. that He's got the timing just right. He blocks the shot. And, uh, I don't know, I can't say enough good things about Horford. You know, he's popular and... Um, he's effective, and he's found his shot again. He's making threes. It's all good. Everybody was happy. As far as I'm concerned, I was happy. And most of the fans I know were happy that he came back, that, you know, that they were able to get him back here. I definitely was. I, I was happy for him, too. Um, you know, when he went to Philly, I told my, the Philly fans, I said, yo, you're getting a guy that's going to give you his all in all. I said, but the only, it, I said, the only problem with Al Harper right now is he's, is the knees that he has. I said, so if you plan on starting him, I said he might go miss him miss some games um, because he does have some knee issues. Um, I said, but other than that, he's he's going to be really good for the team. I, I just think that Philly was so so concentrated on beating Boston because they know Boston was the nemesis most of the times that they and by them thinking of getting him, they figured that would just eliminate us altogether. But then I guess they forgot about the Atlanta Hawks and the other teams. The other teams out there that they would have to play in the playoffs, and it didn't work out well for him either. So I'm kind of glad he's back. So yeah, they, they just yeah. didn't know how to use him in Philadelphia. Yeah, I, uh, I told you. You know, it's bad season for him, but in the end it worked out for us. Exactly. Because, like you said, the wonderful life, he he, he saw what it was <laughs> without him, and he's like, I want to come back here. I, I got to get back here. So, So do you think it was – do you think it was? Would you think it was Isaiah or or uh, Al Harford 
that was ringing Danny Ainge's phone or Brad Stevens' phone talking about they wanted to come back? Uh, it was probably um, Isaiah uh, because he said as much that he had had a conversation with Ainge, I believe he said it, um, and then he expressed that he wanted to come back. I don't know if Al would have done that, but he I'm sure that Al wanted to come back too, as we just talked about. Um, Isaiah, it's funny, um, you know, he would have been great coming back here. At one point in the season when it, things were looking really bad, I was hopeful that he would get signed at least to a 10-day just so he could come here and give us an emotional lift. We needed something. Everything was going wrong, and everyone was down, as we've talked about, and some giving up on the team. And we needed some kind of spirit, some kind of spark uh, to get our enthusiasm going. Really, the only thing that does that is winning. But um, in the short term, it would have been a great story and motivational for Isaiah to come back to Boston. Um, But I understand why some fans were against that because if he had done that and he didn't play, then there would have been all sorts of um, complaining about, well, why isn't he playing? Let's give him a chance. You know, he's probably not going to score 50 again, not in the NBA, (laughs) but, uh, you know, he could have his moments and coming back here might have just put him in an unfair position, even though he wanted to be back. It just might have been a little too much um, in the emotional side if he didn't play or if he didn't play as well as he used to. Right. And so, you know, you move on. Um, He seems to have accepted that he's never going to come back. Uh, He seems to have made peace with that, and now he's with Charlotte for the rest of the season. I'm glad for that. Good on Charlotte for signing him. Right, right. I'm, I'm uh, happy. I'm happy I mean, you can only hope too. for the best for, for Isaiah. He's just an right. awesome guy, and he was so right. good here in all ways. Okay, so last question for you. Yep. Um. Because of the situation with Kyrie now that he can play in Brooklyn, should Boston be concerned about playing them? Because I mean, I've watched I, I've watched them play more than ever before, um, and I think the biggest issue with with um, the Brooklyn is that they they play absolutely no defense, mm. and I think that. Um, even though they got Kyrie, I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal um, for them to have Kyrie. They they might that might keep them in the games at some point in time, but their lack of defense is going to be the cause of them being eliminated. So, if you had a crystal ball, who would you want to see the Boston Celtics play in the first round of the playoffs? Uh, well, I think, um, and I'm not worried about whoever they have to play, I think they could beat anybody. The way that the Celtics are playing right now, the other teams are going to have to worry about them, not them worrying about the other team. Great answer. Uh, Great so, answer. So that's one thing. <laughs> the other thing is uh, 
it looks like they could play Chicago, Cleveland, either of those teams. They can beat them uh, five games at most. And I'm not one to take things for granted at all, not when it comes to sports. But uh, I I just don't see those teams beating the Celtics. So they could play them. Um, and then if you get down into the teams that are right now in the play-in bracket, uh, <clears throat> I don't want to play the Nets. I mean, they still have Kevin Durant. I just had this conversation recently, too. Um, I, I Toronto would give them, uh, the Celtics, a hard time because Toronto knows how to win. And right. they have been winning lately. They've had their own resurgence, and they've gone up to the standings pretty rapidly. Um, Charlotte and Atlanta, if they make it out of the play-in and face the Celtics, again, no problem. The Nets, that's a different story. You know, they can get hot. Uh, that was the most recent game the Celtics had with them. Uh, Durant and Kyrie both played. And Tatum went wild and had 54 points, and it was still a close game. Um, you know, the the Nets are dangerous. Uh, I'm not thinking about Ben Simmons. I hope he does play because I don't think it would help them. I think it might hurt them at this point, but I don't really expect that he's going to play at all this year. At this point, how could he? He's injured now, apparently, and... Uh, what kind of playing time is he going to get in the last few games of the regular season? So what is he going to do, just pop up at playoff time and just get out there? I don't think so. so. But the main thing with not wanting to play the Nets, me, uh, is I don't want to hear, hear the Kyrie BS anymore. Okay? I've had it with that. I, have, I am sick and tired of Kyrie and all the things that come mm. with it, I don't want to have to hear it for two weeks, you know, potentially seven games. He's He he was the one in the wrong, okay? He came here, was happy to be here, wanted to be here, talked about how it was going to be great, it's going to be crazy, G, and all that. And uh, and he turned his back on us without explaining why, or, you know, no – really good reason except he just changed his mind and he walked and he did it like we had done something to uh, offend him and now he's the victim every time he comes to Boston people boo him rightfully so and he, he acts then in the post game interviews like he's the victim like like we drove him away or something that's completely not true and I don't want to hear it from this guy anymore. I don't think I'm alone here. I think every Celtic fan would prefer never to hear a word out of his mouth again. And there are a lot of words that come out of his mouth. I don't want to hear any of them. Okay, so that would be my hope that they don't play the Nets, and that's the reason why. It's got nothing to do with on the court. The Celtics could beat them. But not. I don't want to put up with the drama. The playoffs are stressful enough without any of that crap. Yeah, because because he cause what he does a lot of times is he takes the focus off of him, and then turns around somebody else. And I mean, he did that that one time when he said something about 
um, about the about the racism in Boston or something of that nature. And yeah. I'm like, come on, man, stop. You played up here. You know how much they loved you up here. So why would you even make that comment in the first place? That didn't to me. That didn't make any sense at all. Yeah, and no that burning nothing. sage, and you know, just go away. Yeah, that was, just, that was I don't want to. I don't want to think about him anymore. So definitely don't want to have to hear it in the playoffs. But as far as who else, do, who, who the Celtics do play, uh, any team. I mean, it would be okay with me. Any team, they're going to win the first round for sure. I'm, I am confident in saying that. I hope it doesn't bite me, but I'm confident in saying that. Yeah, I mean, right now, these guys are playing out of their minds. And, again, like I said, I've been a fan since the 70s. I've never seen – the Celtic team do what they're doing right now in the middle season. And I always I always tell Eager and them guys, I was like, yo, they can't turn it on, turn it off. I said, they're not that good. They don't you, – you, you, can, you can see the potential, and then they fall off. And I'm like, so I don't know what happened to them. I don't know, you know, and maybe that uh-huh. game was a game where they felt like they should have won. They let that game slip away. Uh-huh. From them. But since then, the defense and, and I and me personally, I'm a defensive guy. I love defense. And Igor, even guys, to tell you, I won't talk a lot about offense for the Celtics. I will talk defense because the defense is the reason why we're in the situation we're in because the defense makes makes your offense flow because of turn because of turnovers that Marcus Smart gets, Jalen Brown gets, and they got fast break opportunities. Where people mad because Marcus Smart ain't getting no, he's not shooting the ball, but he's making those type of plays. Um, and I and I tell fans all the time, if you if you don't watch the game, you don't understand because what Marcus Smart does defensively is he made he may cause some kind of commotion for them to miss the shot, but they don't. That's not that's not in the you know you don't see that in the stats. You don't see the hustle the, the hustle stuff that he does. You know, and one more thing before we let you go. Like, I'm, I'm really upset with with um, Steve Kerr and the situation with um, with Marcus Smart. Because if you play basketball, I don't care if you started playing basketball when Naismith had the basket, the peach basket and the, and the ball, you know, you was always taught to die for the ball, never been down to get the ball because that's how you can get hurt. Right. So I don't think it was a risky call. I don't think it was a dirty call. He just that type of guy that hustles like that. So I, I'm I'm glad they kind of got away with got got away from that again. Um, I just want to say that. But Mike, it was good talking to you again, man. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. Um, let um if, before you go, just let everybody know if they want to um, find you on the social media platform where where that could be. Okay, um, I'm on Twitter at Mike Dynan, M-I-K-E-D-Y-N-O-N, and I contribute to CelticsBlog.com. I occasionally do recaps for them, and we'll chip in uh, an article once in a while. So, uh, But in any case, whether you're looking for me or not, read Celtics Blog because it's a great site with a lot of talented writers. And... Uh, Thank you. I appreciate Thank you. being on, and I hope to talk to you again. Uh, thanks, right. Mike. Thanks, Mike. In my name, I uh, apologize for my bad connections, but I thought that Kevin and you uh, did a wonderful, amazing job, and I didn't want to interrupt anything. Uh, it was great, great, uh, great flow of uh, the show. I was enjoying listening to you, as always. Uh, you too. Uh, if I uh, can add about Kyrie, 
uh, what you talk, um, I totally agree that uh, we didn't want to hear uh, all of us uh, anything about Kyrie here, but uh, <clears throat> I mean, uh, sadly, if we play again um, the Brooklyn Nets uh, uh, in the playoffs, for example, uh, if we are number one and they are number eight, or if we are number two and they are number seven, uh, if uh, with, with some bad luck we play with them, uh, we will face Kyrie Irving and uh, his uh, press conferences, at least in Boston or um, uh, maybe in Brooklyn, if uh, yeah. their policy changes about COVID. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, what, what, what I wanted to add about Kyrie, Kyrie is Kyrie, you know, uh, I totally agree with your stance that uh, it was inexplicable uh, how does he left and uh, uh, he's hard to understand. It's hard to justify, uh, I mean, what he's talking about. Uh, he's a great player, and you, you, you saw that he's posting 50-point uh, games when he was playing this season, especially after Harden left. You know, he took over uh, there. And uh, I totally agree that Brooklyn is a dangerous team. I mean, uh, Kevin mentioned that they uh, don't play defense, but uh, when you look at their li- lineup, you know, from guard lineup to the center lineup, they are stacked. They are ready to make a push. Maybe not this season. Maybe they miss one more piece, you know, but that's, that's on their management. I don't care about that. They are not going to be contender this season, but they can do upset uh, in the first round, definitely. Uh, about Kyrie Irving nonsense, the way I'm calling it, I think, I think that uh, Mike, the Celtics fans are participating at least 50% of uh, 50% is on Kyrie and 50% is on uh, Celtics fans. Uh, I understand they they are uh, uh, mad at him. That's justified. I understand it. But uh, they are adding fuel on his fire every single time when he's in Boston, if you understand me, okay? Not only with booze, but with comments and everything like that. Uh, I mean, stop feeding the beast. Stop feeding him, you know. If you stop mentioning him, if you stop comparing him with uh, your point guard. <laughs> did Igor again? Did, did Igor uh, drop off? Yeah, yeah, I think he oh. did. He burned up the okay, wine. Mike, well, he was on fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, well, Mike, we're going to let you go. Okay, uh, but Kevin. you have a good evening, and you be safe, sir. Thank you. You too. Go Celtics. Go Celtics. That's right. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, guys, so it looks like I'm on here by myself, I think. Igor, you out there? I think Igor is trying to get back in. Um, But I'm just going to go back in time a little bit until we get Igor back on there. It is Wick Rose, and... the owner of the Boston Celtics. Hey, Wick, good morning. Yo, man, how you doing? I'm doing great. Before we get to your team, important question from me. The tribute bottle of Sincoro that you did for KG, are there any of those left? Any lying around anywhere over there? That was one of one. That was specifically a gift for him that Emilia wanted to do, and uh, and uh, he was really uh, – 
you know, he was happy with it and took it back home to L.A. So we were, uh, it was really fun giving him that. It was, it was, it was awesome. And I, you know, I wanted to talk Thanks. a little bit about talk a little bit about that and and about Ray Allen coming. And I, you know, it, it was it was interesting because we talked a lot beforehand about whether Ray Allen would be here. And it seems like you know, there's there's always speculation that. When Ray, when Ray left, you know, he it wasn't a happy moment. It, it seems like he's, uh, it, if that ever existed, it doesn't exist now. Yeah, it was really nice to see him there. He's such a good guy, um, and we stayed in touch um, in the in the meantime. He and I, uh, and seen each other a time or two. But I, I guess I just feel like there's a special bond from that team and. And everybody who was around it still feels it to this day, and this is kind of the proof of it that you can't keep, you know, magnets apart or whatever. There's a magnetic yeah. thing going on, and and they're great people and great champions, those players, and there they were together on the court again. It was really nice to see. Wick, when you look at your team on the court, you know they've completely turned around, turned it around. They, I think they have a lot of us here going, wow, this is. You know, kind of what we expected. But one guy, I think, you know, who's been at the forefront of that is Jason Tatum. I think through his last 10 games, averaging like 30-plus. I mean, what's the what's the ceiling or level for this guy to get? I know we had a conversation yesterday with Ken Laird who said if he continues to play and get some of the accolades, he might go down as maybe the greatest Celtics player of all time, and that's even better than Bird. So it's a, it, I know it's a big ceiling, but you're around this guy every day. What's What's his mindset like? Well, I, yeah, he, I, just being one of the great Celtics is, is like a huge accomplishment because there have been so many. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he is – I just think everybody is coming out, including and led by Jason and Jalen uh, and Marcus and Rob and everybody, but everybody's coming out with just that intensity. Uh, one of the players said the other night, we're, we're coming out at 150%, so there's none of this sort of easing into it or getting started or feeling out the game. They're going for it. And in the first half, recently, we've had some leads, occasionally, not every game, but some leads of like, you know, 20 points in the, in the first quarter, first half, sort of just getting right after it. And it builds on itself, I guess. So, uh, we, you know, when you uh, come into a game and you just hit it right from the beginning, that, you know, that's, that works. It can, it can be exhausting. It's a good thing. We've got, we got three days off. We're in the middle of a three-day break right now and good time to recharge. But I love the way they're playing. Well, when considering the way they're playing and the the fact that they're kind of they've come into their own of late, um, and and that turnaround, I personally think it started when I presented the uh, game ball with you uh, in the locker room several yeah. several months ago. Um, yeah, I but, think so too. Uh, but if but if that <laughs> if that wasn't it, is there from your perspective, who or what has been the catalyst when it comes to this turnaround for the Celtics team? Well, I, you know, we can go down the list of the players, and we just did mention some, but I've got to give Ime a lot of credit. I think Ime coming into coach, when I met him last summer, I was like, this was the guy, I believed. Um, his word for himself was authentic. I asked him for a word that would describe himself, and he came up with authentic, and I think that really does ring very true. He worked his way up through the, at the time it was called the D-League, he played overseas. He made to be a starter in the NBA. Then he was an assistant coach on a championship team. Then he was a national level assistant coach, U.S. Olympic team, and all. But he's just—he's just a real deal. And so, he was able to influence the team, and the team fell into, uh, or you know, or, or joined in that 
in that vision. And it took some time, but it started to come together in early January. So we're a work in progress still, but I, I've got to give Emei a lot of credit for coming in and leading the team this way, and then the players for obviously uh, playing at the highest level uh, that they possibly can. I mean, it's all working together, and, and there's a lot of credit to go around over there. Wick, I think the most impressive thing is, you know, the beginning of this season, they're having team breakfast. Uh, everybody's saying that this team doesn't get along, that Jalen and Jason can't play together. Then you look at Ime, and, and he was he was calling them out in front of the media, saying, you know, they, I, I told them if they keep playing like this, we're not going to win any games. You see them behind the scenes. So does Ime and the team just have a different connection than you've seen maybe other coaches have with the players where the respect is just there uh, so that he can he can handle situations out on the court, out in the public eye, and, and the team listens to him out there? Well, I see a lot of that. I see it also between – I mean, it's a great question, Courtney. I see it uh, in practices. I see the team speaking to one another and, and giving, you know, pointers or whatever as well. But, I mean, we can all see it out on the court during the game. You watch it any timeout. If you're in the arena anyway and the timeouts are – I mean, and, and everybody's right in front of you – Anytime the game stops, Ime's calling two guys over, one guy over, putting his arm around the shoulders, talking animatedly. There's a lot of connection. There's a lot of back and forth, a lot of listening. He's on it 24-7. You know, he's on it in those games. And the guys are hanging on every word. So, I mean, that is uh, what we can all see publicly. It doesn't have to be behind the scenes. And it's the way it is. He is, I'm sure he's open to hearing what they have to say, but he's got, concepts and ideas and he's imparting them and he's leading the team and that's it's really uh it's great to see wick you talk about Ime, and i think in basketball as a fan of the game and watching it you see the dynamic between coaches and players and you know it seems like you look at miami the other night jimmy butler and and eric spolsa almost going to blows on the sideline what is it about Ime when you hired him that it, it almost feels like the players, and I know Courtney talked about this, but the respect that they have for coaches, and, and when you see that in basketball, it's really difficult to do because of the talent and the, the egos that some of these guys have. What was it about Ime that showed you that guys were really going to fall in line and he was going to be able to control the room? Right. Well, he just, uh, I mean, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not a visionary about it, but when I, when I met Ime, I was like this, you know, back in the day when I was, a version of an athlete, not a pro athlete, but a long time ago, a version of a of a team athlete. I, uh, you know, he's exactly the kind of coach I would have really cared what he thought. I would have really listened to. I really would have run through a wall for. And I mean, I guess it's just as simple as that. And you know, he worked his way up. He was a role player in the league. He, you know, like I said, he played in I think Spain, Grand Canary, you know, uh, Fort Worth, Locators, or something like that. You know, he he. He gutted his way in the league, and he gutted his way into this career. And I just uh, – I respect it, and I and the players respect it. Look, I recently apologized on this show to Jason Tatum because I think I was wrong about him. I I was I, – I questioned his ability to lead this team, and it, it seems like he is that guy. Is there a desire when it comes to ownership that, that Jason Tatum is locked down for a, a long time here? Oh, we, yeah, we love uh, Jason. We've, you know, obviously maxed him out. Uh, Jason, Jalen, Al, Marcus, Rob, I mean, our starting five is, is uh, unbelievable. And, uh, and then you can add another five onto that. It's, uh, it's a group we want to keep together. But there's no question that he's, uh, 
he's got uh, a team concept. He, he, it's not the Jason Tatum concept. It's the team concept. It's winning. It's doing everything he can. And everybody else is pitching into that. It's the kind of leadership that the Celtics are known for from the past, and it's nice to see it now. Wick, it seems like the Celtics fandom is back and, and stronger than maybe even before the pandemic, whether it's Jason Tatum getting MVP chance on the road, or I don't know if you saw there was a Cape Cod teenager who got 2022 Celtics uh, champs already tattooed on him. I just want to know if you think that that is a good idea for other fans out there. Like, should I be workshopping a tattoo idea for myself? <laughs> I'll leave that to you. I won't uh, speculate on what you might get. But uh, I think that we will just try to do what we can to make all those tattoo dreams come true. But I'm not sure. Uh, I would do it as a jinx myself, uh, so I'm probably not going to do that. But um, I'm a little superstitious, so I'd rather just uh, hope that someday the tattoo uh, you know, has its place. Yeah. Wick, one of the guys on this basketball team, you know, from myself to a lot of Celtics fans, it's like one week we'll, like, ship this guy out of here. The next week we're, like, he's the heart and soul of the team. Yeah. And that would be Marcus Smart. And and one of the things that I've kind of seen with his play recently is he's kind of taken on more of that point guard role where he's become more of a distributor rather than, you know, trying to look for shots for himself. What yeah. What has Marcus, like, me has meant to kind of this turnaround when you look at the role that he is in now of being more of that true point guard and, you know, getting other people involved. Yeah, he just, he is just, um, he's got another level. I don't know how many gears, you know, your car has probably six or something, probably a lot, Mm -hmm. but he's got a seventh and an eighth gear in there. I mean, he just is uh, so, so competitive as we all know. I just love the spirit. I love the fact that he cares that much and, um, and it's infectious. Everybody cares that way. It's like, in a different way, it's like when KG was here. I mean, you just can't let down when KG's around or KG's in practice or KG's on the uh, on the floor with you. And I think Marcus brings a lot of that same energy and that same drive. And it's really, it's an important ingredient, in my opinion, it's an important ingredient for a team to have some, to have that, that fight. And, and he may sit in his first press conference last summer when we introduced him, he's like, we're going to bring the dog out in guys, I think he said, and, and they're looking forward to it. And I guess that's what is uh, epitomized or represented by Marcus Smart. Hi, Wick. Uh, I'm Chris Scheim. I, I took Ken Laird's job here on the show. Uh, speaking of Ken Laird, actually, he made a ridiculously crazy take yesterday saying that this Celtics team might be one of the best Boston teams we've ever seen, and Greg immediately pushed back with the 86 Celtics. Uh, so I need, I need your opinion, Wick. What do you think, this team or the 86 Celtics? Nice try. Uh, first of all, uh, we're gonna any team that won a championship is uh, we get to talk about it, you know that championship in '86. Lots of people think that was the best team ever assembled. So uh, we are right now. We've had a couple good months, and we're going, and we've had a couple bad months. So it's just we're having them in the correct order. You don't want to go the other way. <laughs> so that's uh, we have a grade of incomplete. Wick, I, I, I think when you look at this team here, I think a lot of Celtics fans look at this team as, you know, look what they've been able to do, but even moving forward into the future and what this team could potentially be, I know we got to focus on the here and now, but is it exciting to be an owner and know that you have guys so like, you, like you talked about, Tatum and Brown and, and, Rob, and Robert Williams, who I think is really doing a tremendous job, yeah. to know that you have a good building foundation 
on your team headed forward yes. and what they are. Yes, and it, it really does, just to be uh, completely honest, transparent, uh, which I always do, but anyway, just to really nail it down, um, in the off season when Ime and Brad were in place, I met with them and I said, listen, I'm not freaked out about this year. Ime, you're going to be a first-time head coach. You don't need to get off to some amazing start. We, this year doesn't have to be a record-setting year. What I want to do is win a ring, another one, when you know when we're in the prime here over the next five years. Like we've got the makings here with Jalen and Jason, and we've got Marcus and Rob. Hopefully, you know that they can de- keep developing, that Rob can develop, and so on, which he has. But I said, don't do anything this year for a quick band-aid that's going to mess up, you know, the next four years. This this feels like we're going to, you know build into this thing. Now it's it's actually caught fire over the last couple of months, so everybody's feeling great. But anyway, I tried to take the pressure off this year for the guys and say, settle in. There's not going to be any panic from me or my partners. There's not going to be anything other than let's go relentlessly do everything we can to build this team. So everybody, except for Al Horford, and now Daniel Tice is in his late 20s, Al's in his 30s, but everybody else is like 24, 25 on this team. And uh, and so we are positioned, and we're going to keep this thing together, and we are going to be a problem, hopefully, for people. I think that's so interesting, too, because not just with the Celtics, but we talk about every team. with If they don't make a big splash, if they don't make any big moves, we think that uh, the ownership's just given up on them. And you look at this team in particular, and that's just simply not the case for you guys. Well, you know, but people are entitled to think whatever they think. Anybody who sees me at the game for the last 20 years knows that, uh, you know, <laughs> there's a foul shot in the first quarter and we miss it. I'm like, you know, sort of like doubled over my seat. So, uh, I, you know, I'll just let that speak for itself. But um, we are trying to make sure Jason, Jalen, Rob, you know, Marcus want to resign here. And they've all recently resigned here. We want to build around those guys. We love having Al back. We love having Tice back. Derek White's a huge addition. We've got him locked up for multiple years. This feels like, you know, it's working now, and it's got to keep going. But uh, we've got the makings here of something uh, that's really exciting. I want to thank the fans, too, just before you guys hang up on me or wherever. But, you know, it's like, well, were the fans up and down? Now they're back. We actually just sold out, like, our 300th straight game, Hmm. you know, 40 a year. You know, that's like seven straight years of sellout. So the fans haven't left. But the perception of the team, including my perception of the team, has changed a lot over the last couple of months. I'm super excited. I was always hopeful, like I always am, I guess. But, um, you know, things have changed, but the fans have always been there for us, and we appreciate it. All right. Arguably, you got the best team in the NBA right now. So yeah, pretty good. Um, and he's got new seats, so in a different location. Yeah, he moved his seats. Yeah. yeah. A better view on the side. Oh, <laughs> that wasn't really me. That was that was uh, my fabulous my wife, Amelia. We sat over there just on a whim during preseason. And then she's like, oh, my God, I love our new seats. And I'm like, oh, no, i got to make a few calls. <laughs> Luckily, we worked it out. So. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time with us. It's always great having you on. And, and, uh, Thank you. And we'll do it, we'll do it again here as the, as the season moves on. So thanks, Wick. You guys are great. We welcome in my girl, Monica McNutt. Good morning, good morning. Good to have you with us. What's happening, uh, y'all? Uh, we will get to you in just a second. I'm going to start with JJ here. JJ, are the Celtics? the team to beat now in the East? I don't think they are. I've, I've been saying this for the last few weeks. I, I, Miami is, to me, the most dangerous team in the East. Last night's loss was a little concerning, obviously losing to Philly without Joel 
and without James Harden. But I think we've all overlooked the Bucks. They're 32-9 and nine when the big three play. Mm-hmm. They just got Brooke Lopez back. They're the defending champs. To me, those two teams are probably the two best teams in the East. Miami and Milwaukee. Miami and Milwaukee. Celtics are great. Best defensive team in the league. They've, they've been on a tear. They're 27-7 and seven since January 6th. Mm-hmm. Right. They're great. My, my concern with them in a playoff series mm-hmm. is the nature of their offense. It's not their defense. They're so disrupted. They switch one through five. They take you out of what you're trying to mm-hmm. run. But the, the, the real issue to me is half-court offense, the nature of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum mm-hmm. creating tough shots mm-hmm. and them really not having a high-volume knockdown shooter. They've got two guys shooting over uh, league average, Peyton Pritchard and Grant Williams, but those aren't high-volume guys. And as I know from my own career, getting spot-up playoff threes is a very different thing than, than, than regular season spot-up threes. Mm-hmm. I feel where you're coming from but I'm going to respectfully disagree. All right. And I'm going to tell you that I know you're trying to be slick because, see, here's us when people are debating, Molly, I don't know why you haven't figured this out yet. So when they're going up against me, oh, teach me when please. they're going up against me, yeah, I am I don't teaching watch enough debate no, 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 you just, you, you just, week, you just cool. choose to ignore me when you want, and I'm just not letting you get away with okay. that today. What I'm trying to say is that J.J. tried to pull the okie doke. So what mm. happens mm. is he wants to make the argument for Milwaukee and Miami. Yeah. Knowing I'm going to make my argument about Boston. But he talked about Boston. It's not going to work because you didn't do it with enough passion and enough validity as far as I'm concerned. The Boston Celtics Tell me. could potentially win this conference. I'm telling you this right now. But are they the, are they, I, I agree with you on that, but are they the team to beat? Right now, I think they are. Right now. That can change because it's fluid. So you don't, a lot of confidence let, in that me, let me explain. Let me explain. Because it's the season, <laughs> and you've got to wait this 82 games. I'm being very serious here. Over the last 22 games, they've had a nine-game winning streak, a five-game winning streak, yeah. and now a four-game winning streak. Over the last 22 games, these brothers show up. And when you talk about what they do defensively, here's why we can't ignore that. Come playoff basketball. I like you. Sometimes I don't like the system, especially at the beginning of the season. Boston, I totally agree with you. It was one of the worst teams to watch. Jason Tatum, it's your turn. Jalen Brown, it's your turn. We'll squeeze Marcus Smart in every now and then. Now, Marcus Smart called them out. Then ultimately they had to have a team meeting. Then ultimately Tatum and Brown had to get together, and they had to be committed to playing together because you obviously need a tandem in the NBA if you're going to have any kind of really sustained success. But Udoka, what he has done, I can't say enough. This guy is a legitimate top two coach of the year candidate. When you look at what he has done, this team, look at them defensively. They're like a bunch of piranhas. They switch everywhere. You've got five guys. They get out on shooters better than anybody that I have seen. Now we come to Miami and Milwaukee to bring up your point. It ain't about Giannis because Giannis going to do what he does in the inside and in the open court, although he's suspect from the perimeter. But we know Giannis is going to give you his numbers. Drew Holiday, Middleton, what they can give you, who's a team that can combat that because of their defensive prowess? That would be the Boston Celtics. When you look at Miami with Hero, with Butler, 
even with Bam, because he's really an undersized, big, very athletic, great open court, stuff like that. But you got a Robert Williams, a guy like that there, who can make some noise for you. The pickup of White has really brought this team together as well and elevated their play defensively. And in the meantime, while all of that has transpired, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown has elevated their level of play. So I want to see it be more consistent. Please don't get me wrong because you weren't that way at the beginning of the season. You're flowing now over the last 30-plus games. I get all of that. The playoffs are a different beast. But when it comes to the playoffs, you got to remember, the game slows down a little bit. You don't get as many open court opportunities. Team defense are able to get back, set their defense right, and what have you. We know this about playoff basketball, and nobody wants Boston to do that because if Boston does that, that makes their defense even more formidable. Okay. And that's how I look at it. All right, all right, all right. Uh, Monica, get in here. All right, so I'm on Team JJ this morning. And, Steve Nay, here's what I would like to point out about this Celtics team. Because of the three of us, I had the privilege during this or one of the games that disrupted the win streak to be on the ground when Boston hosted the Dallas Mavericks. My wonderful radio partner, George Sedano, we had the radio call. It was delightful. As dynamic as the Celtics' defense is, when we start talking about playoffs and we start talking about adjustments, yes, they switch out aggressively. However, ball movement still counts. And you're going to have a star on the other team. In this case, it was Luka Doncic, who was able to move the ball quick enough to find Dorian Finney-Smith, who went off for 19 points and hit two big threes down the stretch of that ball game to send the Boston Celtics home or leave them home with a loss. And so when I think about the Bucks or the Celtics, we have not given enough credit for a team that has been there, done that, and it don't mean a thing if it ain't got that ring. All of those things, because of the Boston Celtics, or excuse me, because of the Milwaukee's abil- Milwaukee Bucks' ability to also defend and their experience in a series, I love what Boston is doing. They're 14-4 and four on the road since the turn of the new year. However, when we start talking about playoffs, they do not have the recent history that gives me confidence. And so I agree with J.J. that the Bucks are still the team to beat. Yeah, they lost the other night without Giannis. That's a given. They're 8-2 and two in their last two. The Celtics are 9-1 and one in their last 10, or in their last 10, rather. So, to me, yes, we are thrilled with what we're seeing from the Celtics, and it has been a thing of beauty. But, again, in a series where you're going to go head-to-head – To me, the defense will always be at a disadvantage to a degree when we're talking about some of the more prolific scorers leading their teams in the Eastern Conference Mm. because you have to react. That's just the nature of the game of basketball. And so on both sides, I'm still going with the Bucks right now. JJ, before you jump back in here, I just want to mention, so nobody's talked about the Sixers or the Brooklyn Nets in this conversation. Just to be clear, we've got Miami, Milwaukee, and Boston. Again. Is it possible? Yes. yes. But those, those, there's more question marks remind, about those teams than there are the other three teams. I just want to remind the audience yes. that we're just talking about those yes. three. I brought up, I brought up the, the Celtics half-court offense. Yeah. And you bring up their defense. And, again, I, I give credit. They have a great defense. Best defense in the league. They're, they're very disruptive. The thing with the Heat and the Bucks, they have the defenders. Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, Giannis, mm-hmm. uh, Jimmy Butler, P.J. Tucker. They have the defenders to make life very tough on Tatum and Brown in the half court. But the, the, the big problem mm-hmm. here is this. Nine games in the season, I came on this show, and you were talking about the fact that the Warriors were going to win the championship, Phoenix Suns' window is closed. You get caught up in the moment. 
This is this is oh, the reality. Really? You get caught up in the moment. Really? So yes, right now, Kim K and Pete Pete Davidson, they're they're dating. But you're the type of person who thinks they're going to date forever. Oh, things no. are going to change. Oh, no, I don't things are going to change. And things can change very quickly. Wrong you are. Things can change very quickly. I don't believe wow. that at all, but I'm not going to knock the brother for having a good time now. Okay, My point to okay. you is this. At the end of the day, when you look at the situation in Boston, first of all, let's understand something. You start off at the beginning of the season. I haven't jumped off the Warriors bandwagon. The only thing that has happened to the Warriors is that they've gotten injured. That's it. If it wasn't for the injuries, I wouldn't be concerned one bit about the Warriors coming out of the West. And I truly, truly mean that from the bottom of my heart. Monica, to get back to your point, you actually made a weak argument because you had two better examples to use rather right than the loss to Dallas. How about losing to Indiana, which Boston did? How about losing to the Detroit Pistons, which Boston did? Now, obviously, it was the second no, back-to-back no, no. back game. No, 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 it's not weak. I'm talking about playoff teams, but continue. But, but they, 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 they lost both of those games. That's all I'm trying to say. Those are the only three games they've lost pretty much in the last 22, 23 games. So we got all of that. Getting to you, J.J., I would tell you, you know, prisoner of the moment, you watch, you watch what you see and what have you. I sat up there and I'm looking at Boston. I'm like, I didn't see this defense coming like this. I got to give credit where credit is due. I also didn't see Philadelphia and Daryl Morey just shredding their own bench. Yeah, they performed last <laughs> night without Embiid and Harden, and that was nice to see. But them brothers got to show up come playoff time. It's immense pressure on Harden. We all know that. When I look at Miami, what do we say about Miami? Great culture, great team, great talent. Who closes for them? Definitively speaking, on a night-in, night-out basis, what's the answer to that question? I'm just saying the question marks combined with Boston's defense. And it's not like they got just one star. They got two of them. And it's not like Marcus Smart and others can't hit shots either. Hell, frick is it? You know, what, 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 I'm impressed. This guy's hitting shots for crying out loud. I'm just looking at Boston and I'm okay. saying, I can't ignore them. Monica, I can't ignore what I'm seeing. Monica, I just, it's Stephen A. Prisoner at the moment. There's a great question. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah a little bit. You, oh, I think you're right, Stephen A. Listen, you said the word macro earlier. That's the first time I've ever heard you say that word. That's the first time I've ever heard you talk about this from a macro sense. Go ahead. Go ahead, Monica. Okay, I will say the nature of this MVP race is we all are going to be prisoner of the moment because I agree with JJ. It's going down to the wire. But I want to go back to what you said, Molly, in terms of none of us mentioning the Brooklyn Nets or the Philadelphia 76ers. Yeah. I think the road ultimately leads to the Bucks. period. Like, whoever is going to come out of the East, I think, is going to have to go through the Milwaukee Bucks. And Stephen mm-hmm. A., it's not, that argument is not a weaker argument because Dallas, of the three teams you mentioned, Dallas is the only actual playoff team. So what are you talking no, about? No, I was saying that other teams, they lost to a, I'm saying that it's, it's perfectly respectable. I'm saying it was perfectly respectable to lose to a Dallas Mavericks team. The same Boston Celtics team that I was raving about lost to Indiana and Detroit. I'm saying those were worse losses than the Dallas loss. That was my point. I agree with you, but we will not see Indiana or Detroit in the playoffs. And so in terms of translating to me what we saw with Dallas. And Boston ain't going to see Dallas because Dallas ain't going to the finals. Here's the good news. We're talking about playoff teams, baby. Come on. All right. Uh, okay, you are li- uh, we are live here, and I really hope that uh, my connection will be stable at least the next uh, one hour. Kevin Dixon with me, uh, Luis Tenore sadly dropped off, uh, but uh, uh, let him call, recall again uh, if he are listening to us uh, in the next 10 minutes, and he will be with us uh, in the last uh, hour. 
uh, Kevin, we heard <clears throat> Vic Rusbeck uh, in uh, his interview uh, in, with uh, uh, Friday on uh, WEEI's Greg Hill show, and very interesting quotes there. That's why I, I uploaded um, the interview, and we will discuss about that right now. And the second audio was the first take with, uh, um, you know, um, Stephen A. Smith and uh, his uh, radio partners. Stephen A. Smith is defending Boston. And listen, uh, there is, um, I mean, only worst thing that can happen to Boston uh, when we talk about the cursing is maybe um, Charles Barkley to be at our side, you know. Uh, because uh, Stephen A. Smith is not bringing uh, the luck uh, to the teams that he is supporting too. Uh, look at the Golden State Warriors. He said that they are, uh, they they will definitely win the title uh, September October. Look what happened to them. A series of injuries. Uh, I mean, what to talk? Not to talk about the Knicks. I mean, uh, when when and if. Uh, TNT crew uh, pronounced the Celtics title favorites, then I will be definitely uh, very worried. About uh, Vic Grusbeck, um, now co-owner and um, president uh, Vic Grusbeck, uh, um, I mean co-owner, Vic Grusbeck uh, sat down with uh, Brad Stevens at Coach Sudoka before the season. Um, he wanted to take the pressure off the first-year guys navigating the roles. The goal is to build uh, around the Tatum, Brown, Marcus Smart, Williams. The Boston looks like a title contender. Brusbeck said in the future is more, more intriguing and they are not done. We are going to build into this. Now, it's actually caught fire over the last couple, couple of months. Everybody's feeling that we are positions. We are uh, going to keep um, this thing going together. We are going to be a problem. The Celtics look like championship contenders. They have won 28 of 35 games. The Celtics four remain firmly intact. The Celtics are in flexible position where they can keep adding to their core. Uh, Grusbeck uh, said he told Stevenson Yudoka, it doesn't have to be, um, the season doesn't have to be record setting. The owner said he wanted to pre prioritize the next four years instead of short term quick death championship window. Stevens took over the president of basketball operations, replacing uh, Danny Ainge. And uh, for now, Stevens he, uh, did a great job. Um, and uh, uh, the goal still to add the third star and busting open championship window. But in current uh, form, the Celtics um, look like a real treat to, the, uh, to make noise in the East. We are trying to make sure Jason Jell and Rob Marcus want to resign here and they have resigned here. We want to build around them. Uh, we love Al. We love having ties. Derek White, huge addition. We got him uh, locked for multiple years. It feels like it's worked now, working now, and it's got, uh, it's got to keep going. We have got to make things here. That's really exciting. Um, that's about the Vic Grusbeck. Kevin, um, now, uh, Every, every, I mean, uh, Danny, Danny, and I, and I know that uh, uh, you here uh, agreed with us. Uh, our, uh, we have been fighting with uh, uh, the Celtics fans 
literally at our page uh, because uh, we think that the Celtics need a third star, one more piece at least, plus a better bench uh, to win the title. Um, now we have been called names and that kind of stuff. And you here have Vic Grusbeck who surprised me because I thought that he will uh, be caught into, uh, into the moment, like the guys from the first take said. And I thought that uh, he will say, okay, we have the championship uh, uh, core, the best RT5 in the NBA. We will not add anything, and we will just keep uh, adding uh, the bench, okay? And uh, instead of that, uh, he agreed with us, okay? He said, we are not done to add on this core. Uh, translation is, we will have the fun first year, we don't expect anything in the first year. Um, what happens, happens. Uh, I told the guys and Yudoka and Stevens to be relaxed, but uh, I don't expect the title in this year, and I don't expect the title with this score. Uh, I mean, we, he said practically that we still miss one more piece. Uh, did you... Listen to the audio, and what do you, what can you tell us about Vic uh, uh, Grusman's statement, which is very important. He was talking about the four years championship uh, window. I think he's ready to spend some money. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's what it mm-hmm. sounds like to me. Mm-hmm. Sounds like he's ready mm-hmm. to spend some money. Um, Great. Great. I, I still think that um, <clears throat> I, I still think that um, you know, I, there were there were some rumors, Porzingis. Uh, um, I don't know if you guys were aware of that go, mm-hmm. coming to Boston um, since he got traded, um, and and that I don't know if that would be I don't know if they consider him as a big three or not, um, but then again, it seemed like when guys come to Boston, they they get into the flow of the game and it, the game becomes easier for them. Um, you know, I don't know mm-hmm. what it is. I mean, you think about you think about uh, Brad Stevenson and how well them guys played for him for the time period for the time that he was there, um, and how he look. You know, look what he did with uh, Jay Crowder. You know how Jay Crowder developed into a, the player he is now. He's been to with two NBA Finals back to back, I think. Um, so mm-hmm. I think that. Um, with that being said, it, there, there, they, he knows something. That's all I got to say. The way he's talking is he knows something. I'm, I don't know if it's Bradley Bill. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's uh, Damian Lillard. But he's, mm-hmm. he, he basically said the core. Or somebody like Carl Anthony Towns, you know. Yes. That, that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah, and so, I, 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 I mean, definitely, I, I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, I support everything that he said. And uh, we will talk about uh, the question and the answer that I loved a little later uh, to compare uh, 2022nd uh, Celtics team with 1986 with championship team. Um, and by the way, um, I mean, all respect to this team. They are very likable guys. They are all good guys. There is nobody uh, on the team that is bad guy. Even though 
uh, Marcus Smart uh, is getting a reputation of dirty player and uh, you know bad guy in the eyes of some medias. He is not. There is nobody uh, on the Celtics team that is a bad guy. They are very likable guys. Uh, right now they are playing beautiful basketball. Uh, there is nothing that you can uh, complain about with this Celtics team. But Kevin, there is nothing on this world to irritate me more uh, than when I hear comparison between this Celtics team and 2008 Celtics team and 1986 team. And I really loved and appreciated the Vic Grusbeck answer. And I wish that uh, I will, if uh, the people uh, keep on complaining, keep on compare this, I will take this uh, particularly answer one or two minutes and play this uh, to every single person uh, that is doing that. Uh, to paraphrase him, I love what everything uh, uh, these guys do on these particular teams, but the teams that are winning the title are always special and they are always remembered in the Celtics. And I don't don't think that this Celtics team is there yet. And this is the key, okay? I mean, at least let them get to the NBA Finals. And I don't know if you listened the the the, the, the first audio when uh, I don't know who said that uh, Isaiah Thomas. I I think I think um, they asked Isaiah Thomas from Detroit Pistons. Legend, uh, what does he think about the Celtics and the chances in the playoffs? Okay, he's not uh, the biggest Celtics. He's not the Celtics fan at all. O- on the contrary, he's our favorite uh, enemy alongside, after the Lakers uh, guys, right? But uh, he said what uh, the, the, the final appearance will do to the Celtics and their stars, Tatum, Brown, Robert Williams, Horford, the others. Marcus Smart. Uh, Isaiah said, first of all, uh, I mean, uh, the finals appearance will uh, help the Celtics to keep the guys together. Okay, to keep this team the long term together. Because only the winning, not in the regular season, but in the playoffs, uh, will keep this team together and will make the Celtics uh, the true contenders again. And the second part that he said, uh, winning in the playoffs and the finals appearance will show to the free agents that the Celtics are the team uh, they should come to the Eastern Con- at the Eastern Conference. Right now, Boston is not, despite all the hype, despite all the good games, Boston is trailing the first three teams at the Eastern Conference standings when we are talking about the favorite free agency destination. Miami Heat, Milwaukee Bucks, uh, and uh, Philadelphia 76ers, and even Brooklyn Nets. Because of the different reasons. You know, some of them are good reasons, some of them are not good reasons, but um, the, the, when, when some big free agent player become available, Boston is not at the top of his 
list. Maybe on Bradley Beal's list, um, you know, because of Jason Tatum, we really hope. But uh, the others, no. Look at James Harden. I mean, he came to Philadelphia. Uh, and the others, look at, uh, I mean, Lamarcus Aldridge, uh, Blake Griffin, everybody else, the top of free agents, vile market, free agency market. Who is at the top of their list? Miami, Milwaukee. Why Milwaukee? Because they are the champions. They're the champions. And because of Giannis and the big three, they have legit big three. We don't. We have legit big two. I mean, you can say whatever you want about Jeru Holiday and Chris Middleton. They are good complementary pieces, and they have rings on their fingers, okay? So when the free agents become available, what will they say? I'm going to go to Milwaukee to play with Giannis, to play with the champs, right? Or to go to the Heat. Why? Because they, are, they, they were in the NBA Finals. They have championship coach. Okay, that we don't, still don't. They have championship president of basketball operations, one of the most experienced basketball guys in the game today in uh, Pat Riley. No matter how do you feel about him, I don't like him, but he is a master of the game. And everybody, also Miami is good destination for outside of the court activities like marketing, sunny beaches, you know, parties, whatever you want to say. So, I mean, Philadelphia, they have uh, one of uh, top two MVP candidates in Joel Embiid. Maybe he will win MVP awards, like I think, you know, Joel Embiid. You have James Harden, who is top five player for like 15 years, okay? So, I mean, uh, uh, the Celtics are right now not the good this what should they do to become again the top destination for the free agents i hear today uh you mentioning kevin some rumors about the lakers uh, free agents that the, the, the boston could be uh, a favorite landing spot to uh some lakers uh, free agents yes but only if we are in the nba finals or eventually if we win the nba finals that will show to those guys, you should come to Boston, not to Miami, not to Brooklyn, not to Milwaukee, but to Boston. And this is why success in these play play playoffs uh, is very, very important, Kevin. Uh, agree or disagree with me? I, I totally agree with you. They have to – they can't bow early at all. Um, they can't go seven games in, in the first round because that means that during the season they can know what to do, but in the playoffs, as we know, it gets, gets the game slows down a little bit. Um, and that would hurt us as far as free agency is concerned. If we get to the Eastern, if we get to the Eastern Conference Finals, and let's say we lose the Brooklyn Nets in seven games, okay? You look at what Brooklyn has, you look at Boston has, and you say, yeah, okay. I think I can go help Boston get over that hurdle um, with Kyrie and KD being there. You know, so you look at a top free agent would come there. If they get to the finals and they lose, um, that's got to be another destination because Boston probably would be favored again. Well, they probably wouldn't be favored again because I think there's some factors that 
you know, we'll probably put Brooklyn probably in front of Boston, even if Boston got to the even if Boston got to the Eastern Conference Finals this year or not. So mm-hmm. I think that the whole thing about it is is when I think when we're looking at um superstars coming to Boston, it has to be a situation of that they make the game easier for me if I come there, you know, and mm-hmm. I think that's where that's where the situation with James Harden played a role um in Philly because I I think they felt like he would make the game easier for um Embiid I mean, as far as picking a role with him. I think that uh, uh, James Harden had a couple of reasons. Sorry for interrupting you. First of all. Uh, marketing uh, value of uh, Philadelphia market and Boston market. Right now, uh, he uh, has chosen Philadelphia because he thinks he can earn more money uh, in uh, uh, Philadelphia marketplace, okay, outside of the court. Second thing, uh, role at the team, uh, you know, because uh, Philadelphia is having... Uh, Generational talents without shadow of a doubt. So is Boston, okay. But uh, right now, Embiid is, like I said, uh, having historically good season. Top two MVP candidates, okay. And he wanted to play alongside him. Uh, role at the team, listen to this. When If he comes, James Harden, to Boston, he just left the Brooklyn, in which he was second or the third option behind Kyrie and Kevin Durant. So imagine James Harden at Boston. So he would be second or the third eventually option. He doesn't want that. He wants to be first, eventually second option. So in my opinion, that's why he has chosen Philadelphia. And of course, chance chance to win the title. Uh, He thinks that uh, uh, with Embiid, he's having, uh, for example, better chance to win the title than uh, on uh, the other team. At least that's my perspective. What do you say? I, I agree. I, I I agree with you on that. I think that um um and 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 that situation with Embiid. I mean, the situation with James Hardy. Um, I think Philly might have given up too much for him, but uh-huh. they had to get rid of Ben Simmons, and uh-huh. James Hardy had to leave because he said he wasn't go- he wasn't going to sign with them. So they had to get what they could get, you know what I'm saying? Um so I, I get I I get that. Um that's you know, is it, it was more of a money move for, uh-huh. for ben, I mean for um James Harden than it was anybody else. Uh-huh. And, and anybody that knew anybody that knows basketball know that that's where James Harden's gonna end up going once Amori uh-huh. went to Philadelphia. They knew that was that was it was a, just a matter of time when he's gonna go. Right. Um right. And and I think uh, again with Boston though I think that they um it's it, 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 if if young if I'm a player young young and I think if I'm I'm a veteran I got we we look hard at this team because they're young okay and if I'm trying to win right now is this the team that I want to go to you still got Milwaukee out mm-hmm. there. You got Milwaukee mm-hmm. out there, you know, and like again, you know, what happens a lot is you'll hear during the free agency, Boston likes like this guy, Boston likes that guy, but you don't hear no guy come out and say, um, I, I, Boston, you know, 
he's the only place I want to be. Just like Anthony yeah, Davis, you don't, the Lakers you, are yeah, you don't hear, the only. Yeah, exactly. You don't hear no no players saying I want to go to Boston. You know, mm. this one thing. The, I think the biggest thing with Boston though they, is they the weather. Say, I think that the weather Kevin, is a big factor. They say they say Kevin Boston is my second choice, third choice, fourth choice. They are on yeah. top ten list, but nobody said Boston is number one uh, place except Bradley Beal. We heard rumors that uh, uh, Boston would be his top one choice, uh, and we are crossing fingers on that, right? Right. Right. So, and 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 and, and the fans gotta realize if he doesn't sign a trade, somebody's got to leave. <laughs> I just said somebody's gonna have to leave. If not, if he walks away, and I and 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 I'm gonna say this about Bradley Bill. I don't know him personally, but mm-hmm. he looked like he's an upstanding guy, and I don't think he would leave mm-hmm. Washington high and dry. He would say, okay, I want to get paid, but I want to win a championship. Um, I want to mm-hmm. go to Boston. Let's see what kind of deal we can make to you know, go to Boston. Everybody mm-hmm. knows that if he comes to Boston, that somebody's got to leave. You know. And Absolutely. more likely it's going to be Mike. It's Mike. Might be Marcus Smart, Al Harford, um, because you got to give them something to get something. You know. Now if they can talk, now if if Jason Tatum can talk him into not not just walking away, then that's a different story. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? It'd be a different story. So that's just that's just my mind thought on on that situation. Excellent. You know, Excellent. as far as uh, uh, so to conclude the story. Um, Mm, our conclusion is that uh, Boston needs the playoff success. This year, next year, in the next four years, when Gruzbeck said he thinks this is our championship window, and I agree, uh, opened. So we need the playoff success because uh, we want to grow and we want to attract the free agents. And we are not done adding to the core yet. Like we hear, okay? So, Vic Grusbeck is saying that we need at least one more big piece to the core to win the championship. And like Kevin said, he's ready to spend. This is very encouraging for us. This is uh, crucial for us, for our title hopes. And I'm glad that uh, our owner uh, is uh, with his feet on the ground, but he's encouraged with uh, the good um, couple of months that we had, like he said, and that uh, he is hopefully ready to spend at uh, uh, the summer, right, Kevin? I agree. I, I, when he said that, I, I you know, I, I just started grinning. I was like, "Wow, he's going to spend some money." I said, "That's what's up." You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, it, 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 you know, even the situation with Anthony Towns, um, he's showing that he's a right. very mature player. He and he's he's put the he's put Minnesota Minnesota Timberwolves on his back. He's carrying them into the playoffs or the playing game. You got to give him a lot of credit because before I did not want him mm-hmm. with the Celtics. I think he was mature enough, but he's showing that he has the maturity now to want to win. To want to win, and I don't know why most mm-hmm. guys come to the league and they want to just get the money and and just go through the motions instead of coming in there and um, going ball out off from from the very beginning. You know, uh-huh. and, it, and it, it was it's, it's something that Mike said too that caught my eye. Um, Igor is when he uh-huh. said that they're now they're coming out uh, they're coming out at 110 percent from the very beginning of the game, 
and they wasn't doing that before. They were going through the motions, mm-hmm. and, you know, they would get down by a couple points. They'd get down by 10, 15, come back, and they'd blow the lead again. But I'm, I'm, I'm just noticing how, they're, they're, how aggressive they are coming out right now compared to what they were before. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's just amazing how they, they're, they're playing right now. But, again, free mm-hmm. agency comes around. Um, Boston, and, and like I said, I think me personally, the weather is a, a factor why we don't get a lot of free agents to come up. I agree. But, uh, but again, I'm going to say this. Kevin Garnett said on more than one occasion, I should have came here much sooner because the, uh, cause of the love of the fans. They'll, it, it'd be dead winter. It could be snowing two feet of snow. And they're in there playing the game, but them fans gonna make you feel warm. They're gonna love you because that's just the way they are. Mm. Returning uh returning to a um, couple of things that uh, we hear in uh, the audios and uh, uh the top stories uh, that uh, uh the, the people are talking about. Um I mean um, uh, who is uh, the favorite at the Eastern Conference? Uh, like I said, Stephen A. Smith uh, thinks that Boston is uh, the team to beat, uh, he factors in um, at uh, the first take audio um, the defense that we are mentioning in uh, the top defense in the NBA. He thinks that the, 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 the defense uh, will be even uh, better in the playoffs for uh, the Celtics. And I really hope that uh, he's, he's right with that, uh, even though I disagree with, with that slightly. Uh, I mean... Uh, his partner, uh, Jay Williams, and uh, who is uh, that, gir- that girl that uh, he was talking about, uh, I kind of agree with uh, those guys uh, saying that uh, uh, they don't think that Boston is uh, still there at uh, the top of the Eastern Conference and that uh, Milwaukee is still the team to beat at the Eastern Conference. This is my statement that is not changed the whole season. I'm not like Steven Smith uh, when I see uh, Phoenix Suns going to the hot streak. I'm saying Phoenix Suns are team in the NBA. They will win it all. So the next uh, phase is when uh, Golden State Warriors got hot and got on the uh, you know run. And he said, like, okay, I'm, I'm done definitely. Golden State Warriors are the best team in this world. <laughs> Uh, at the NBA, they are going to win it all. So Boston gets hot. Okay, I am here. Boston will will win it all. Boston is the team to beat. In the eyes of the public, I understand he's entertainer. Okay, he's just like that clown that is, you know, spinning the wheel and doing the things uh, because uh, uh, he is here to uh, attract the people, attract conversations, and attract the ratings. Uh, he is very knowledgeable basketball guy. Don't get me wrong, but uh, he is a, a provocator and um, uh, attention uh, uh, seeker and attention builder. Uh, but uh, what I'm trying to say is that uh, you know, uh, do not get caught in the moments of uh, the game. Um, I mean, um, uh, we were exploring the last 10 years of the Celtics talk radio, the factors, especially with the staff, Adam, by the way, I will try to get him here. Very knowledgeable guy. Uh, he was exploring the factors uh, that are uh, 
uh, and I I I I can uh, uh, Igor. All right, guys. Look like we out of. Look like Igor is um, got cut off again. So um, I want to. Uh, I just want to take you guys back, um, back in time, back in the time where the Boston Celtics was in the Eastern Conference Finals almost every year when they were playing the Milwaukee Bucks, when they was playing the New York Knicks. When he's playing the Buffalo Braves. When he's playing the Philadelphia 76ers. Boston Celtics was playing the Sixers and they were down three games to one. And came back and won that series. You talk about a team that had some grit and some grit. They really played the game, the way the game is supposed to be played. And back then, guys, remember, um, basketball wasn't seen on TV all the time. You had to wait for the radio or you wait for the play, playback. And the playback would be almost like a 9, 10 o'clock at night. So I'm sitting in the home, you know, my dad's like, okay, the game's on. We will let you watch the game. But other than that, you would be going to bed. Then sometimes I would have to go to bed because I had to go to school because I couldn't wake up in the morning. So I took my little trusty radio with me, put it underneath my pillow, and I would listen to the subjects play the Sixers. And I'm telling you, if you have never listened to basketball on the radio before, you have to. It is so exciting because the anticipation of hearing them say, um, Bird stole the ball, Bird stole the ball. The anticipation of hearing that, anticipation of Henderson stole the ball, Henderson stole the ball, anticipation of hearing um, Cedric Maxwell got, carried him on the back to the championship. The anticipation of hearing those things and hearing the plays that being made is nothing like that. Um, if you're a fan of sports, if you never watch, if you never listen to any sports on the radio, you're missing out on something great. I'm telling you, you're missing out on something great. But anyway, I digress a little bit. But talking about the Boston Cup, so that 81 series, I think that was the 81 series. I can't remember for sure. But all of my friends, I mean, every last one of my friends were uh, Philadelphia, Philadelphia 76ers fans. They up three to one. I mean, look, looking, looking The Seas can find a way to win a title. It'll be the franchise's first since the quote-unquote anything is possible team of 2008. And so with that, of course, we welcome in a member of that championship team. Eddie House is back with us. Uh, listen, the Celtics, they're allegedly the team to beat here in the NBA. Eddie, again, according to the number crunchers, thought it would be a good chance to compare this year's team, the 2022 Celtics, with the 2008 Celtics, your Celtics. So let's start right at the top, okay? The top of the roster, the two studs, the two go-to guys, Jason Tatum v. Paul Pierce. And let's just talk about them as scorers, Eddie. Which player is the better scorer, 22 Tatum or 08 Pierce? Well, the only reason why I'll oh, here longer body of work. I got to roll with P. That's my guy. Okay. All these things. First off, let me let y'all know this off rip. 
I'm not going against my squad. Period. <laughs> I'm not going to go against my squad. There's nobody that I'm going to say was better than anybody that was on my squad that won a championship. So let's get that out the way. Okay. But Tatum has a chance to score more points because more threes are taken in this game. Both dynamic scores, both big-time players, both superstars in their own right. Um, what Tatum has been doing here of late, has took itself from just being a guy who has been talked about as maybe emerging as a star to say, I'm not emerging as a star. I'm a superstar and talk about me in that category. So, I mean, he's fantastic, but I'm rolling with my, my, my man P. Come on. He makes the truth. Great, he makes That's why his name Hardy. is the truth. It, yeah. He is the truth, and the game has changed. You're right, Pierce, it felt like lived on the elbow, more threes from Tatum. But Hardy Pierce, in terms of the, the clutch factor, there's, there's really no comparison right now, well, right? Because the Celtics haven't even been in that many close games, it feels like, recently here. Eddie, I know you've seen some great things in your life and your career, but watch this epic fence riding here. Are you ready for this? If we're, ta- if we're talking about the last score, who's the better score? Paul Pierce, I want him taking the last shot. Every, oh, other, sure. score, every other score, I'll go with Jason Tatum. That's how I'm going to ride the fence on this one. I like that. Political, but yeah, you man. definitely you 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 straddled it. You straddled it well. I haven't seen nobody straddle the fence okay. that good. You did a great job of it. I'm hoping and to get a little bit of movement. At the end of the movement. day, you're really saying Paul Pierce. I, I need a little bit of movement out of the two of you for the rest of these here. Okay, no, let's, no, he's, let's he's loosen right. up. Let's I just let it Paul. flow. Let's bring in Scal, who's live inside of TD Garden. And Scal, the Celtics, they dominated this matchup from start to finish. What was your biggest takeaway after this? Chris Forsberg, Amina Smith here with you. And the Celtics put a beat down mm. on this Utah Jazz team tonight. And we got all the way through our show, Chris Forsberg. And we did not <laughs> talk about Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown, both of them putting up 26 points tonight. Let's start with Tatum. How did he impact tonight's game? We had like three minutes of deuce talk. But right, we, exactly. we haven't had any Jason Tatum yet. <laughs> Jason Tatum, essentially what he did is he punched in and he said, I'm going to make it a quick work day. Made a bunch of threes early on, got this offense going, promoted the ball movement, did all the normal Jason Tatum things, and then he just sort of let everybody else take the baton from there. His kisses, his kisses were going early. Mwah! There was, he, was, he was doing, it wasn't the kiss of death, but he was just blowing those kisses after those threes. And uh, you know, maybe he knew it was going to be a 30-point lead soon enough. Oh, look at that. Ooh. Those Instagram muscles. I'm telling you. Just bullying his way to the basket and smart with the pretty little drop-off. You know, I mean, even on quiet nights, he's just so good. And uh, I, I can't un- overstate it. Like, his offensive progression and to have an efficient night like this, I mean, 9 of 15 is perfectly fine. He did what he had to do. He didn't force anything and just was a willing ball mover. And then, then this guy, Jalen Brown, who has somehow flown under the radar lately yeah. because Tatum has been so good in winning Eastern Conference Player of the Week awards left and right. Uh, I thought JB would just really set the tone without running. Smart was looking for him in transition. They weren't going to wait for Rudy Gobert to get back and get set, and they took advantage, and that little step in and knocks down the three coming off the Rob screen. Showing off a couple of the handles. He's been a little loose with those handles at times this season, but not in this instance. Little step back three. Like, again, on any other team, we'd be like, oh, Jason, uh, Jalen Brown has been huge, but because he's got to put up his 30-point nights the same nights that Jason Tatum does it. The mayor lifting the vaccine mandate to New York City yesterday, and Kyrie's unleashed. He can now play full-time as we head into the playoffs. This is what Stephen A. had to say yesterday about the Nets' chances without Ben Simmons, who's still rehabbing through injury. You get Ben Simmons up in there, and he's allowed. Don't worry about shooting, bro. Don't worry. All we need you to do is shut that brother down. Something he would salivate at the opportunity to embrace. I think you need Ben Simmons to win the title. 
I think you can get away with it without him to win the East, as tough as the East is, because you know who you're going up against on a night-in, night-out basis. All right. Kyrie mm. back. Check. Ben Simmons, no dice. Big Perk, you just heard Stephen A. Can the Nets win the East without Ben Simmons? You see, you see, Stephen A., when you say you're the Magic Johnson of the show, with a take like that, you make me believe that you're the Kendrick Perkins of the show, the Kendrick <laughs> Perkins of the player, okay? So you go from Magic to Kendrick Perkins. That's one thing. Listen, here's the thing. I Look, Kyrie and Kevin Durant, they are box office together. I understand that. Offensively, when when you talk about getting buckets, you talk about one of the most skilled duos to ever play the game, I get all that. But at the end of the day, we keep forgetting one thing. Defense win championships. And as I, as I talked about earlier, Kyrie Irving had 43. Kevin Durant had 35. They scored 125, 120 points, and they lost. Why? Because they don't have a defensive presence. Andre uh, Drummond, he can't guard a pick and roll to save his life. I don't know what's going on with Speedy Claxton. I mean, uh, 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 Claxton kid. But listen, here's the thing. My biggest concern about the Nets is when that ball is not falling in the basket, you're going to have to get stops. You're going to have to have in-game adjustments. And I, me personally, I don't trust Steve Nash. He he has given me no reason to trust him. KD and Kyrie has bailed them out every single time with historical performances. Until I can see Steve Nash make in-game adjustments, which he's going to have to do, especially in the Eastern Conference this year, going against guys like Eric Sposher, you know, Doc Rivers, guys to that nature, I can't see the Nets come winning the East, especially without Ben Simmons. I can't. I'm not guaranteeing it. We got to see it, but I can't. Let me tell you something, man. <clears throat> Defense wins championships, but offense wins games. And when you've got a prolific offense, which they have when Kyrie and KD are on the floor together, it takes a Memphis to take them out, okay? I'm talking about the Eastern Conference. I ain't talking the title now. I'm talking about the Eastern Conference. When I look at the Eastern Conference, 